This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. Wow. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're grabbing the whiskey and the revolver as we watch Spine 257 in the Criterion Collection, Robert Altman's Secret Honor from 1984. But first, RJ, how are you holding up over there? I mean, I think I've been better. But, uh, I mean, I got some good news today. There was this, um, there was this global vote uh, on uh, Criterion-themed podcasts, and uh, we won by a lot. What? We won by a lot. Where's, um, where's my ballot? I must not have been delivered. Not my problem. But, but, not my problem. I mean, did I have to do this face-to-face, or like, or could I mail it in? Well, um, it was done over the internet. Uh, oh, well. And the, Jeez. And it was just... Criterion Creeps number one global phenom, yes or always. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a huge turnout. I think we had five votes. But um, was it a landslide? It was a landslide. Uh, we won by a lot. Uh, we are winning still. Mm-hmm. And any of the places we haven't won, um, you know, maybe they're uh, maybe they're the problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, we need to get our boys on standby back into action and uh, fix them up a little bit. Right. Exactly. What do you think? Exactly. Where are you recording out of today? That looks like a, uh, are you at like some kind of total landscaping uh, facility? What is that? Uh, over here at the Four Seasons. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, yeah. I say I kind of like, I was in a groggy state that particular Saturday morning, was it? Yeah. And I, I kind of like, I saw something about Four Seasons on Twitter. I was like, huh, what's that about? I saw people making these jokes about it. Mm-hmm. And then a couple hours later, I caught up on it. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. It is. What a yeah. moment. What a moment. I think uh, a lot of people pointed out that like comedy writers are like, they're like, I could be writing comedy for 100 years. I'd never come up with something this funny. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite riff on it was uh, a picture of uh, our our close friend Jean Luc Picard at mm-hmm. an Enterprise uh, car rental, and uh, you know I was like, I get it, and some inside baseball <laughs> right. for the millions of fans out there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I think I'm doing fine. Uh, did you get snowed in uh, over the last week or what? Uh, no, I have been pretty lucky. I did almost. I got stuck once. In, How'd you uh, get out? Uh, I got pushed out from a stranger. No, colleagues. At, oh, at, at work at, you got at, at ye old comic shop. Actually, I wasn't even at work. I was I was getting my first A training, RJ, which so I can now save lives. But it just so happens that the office is like right nearby that so that particular location. So I parked back there, but then it just kept snowing and snowing. And then when I go leave, hmm. it wouldn't let me go. My my wheels just kept spinning and spinning in place. So I needed just a little. A little help, a little push. I say this a lot, but I think that's a perfect analogy for this podcast. Mm-hmm. You parked there, you thought you were okay, but then it started snowing, and then when you tried to get away, your wheels just kept spinning. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I feel like no. we've ensnared a lot of people like that. Oh, I see. They can't get out. I think yeah, they, they can. I think it's actually pretty easy. You just stop. You just stop. Uh, I, I don't you, know, man. You, get, you, you, you stop the car. Mm-hmm. You leave the keys in. Who gives a shit? You walk yeah. out those doors. You slam the door behind you. You just walk into the snowstorm. And... I guess I guess Josh Fraser did it. <laughs> so, like, it, it is doable, right? Mm-hmm. Who do you think the next one to just bail on us will be? I, I don't know. I don't want to jinx anything. All of them? <laughs> one day. One. We'll go back to you and me doing yes. just nothing. You and I. 
Yeah, I, yeah, you know what? A lot of people like to correct grammar, and no. you know, I'm all about colloquialisms. No, all right. I, no, you and me is fine. You know, slang. I think you and me is fine. Yeah, me too. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so we got snow. That's pretty fun. I know people like hearing us talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got like 15 feet or something like that. A wallop. Yeah. They canceled school, which almost never happens. And well, because it was like no effort because they needed to probably cancel school that day anyway, because Anyways. all the teachers and students are sick anyway. <laughs> who, who do you think? Oh, you sound like that preacher guy laughing. At oh. that. Did you see that clip? J- Joker? Where he's just laughing. Is that like the one? <laughs> I like uh, someone put the witch music in the background. Da, 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 like da, da, that da, building. Da, 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 da. Like, like Wizards of Oz? No, like from the Vavitch. The Vavitch, okay. That like uh, that building. I'll find it for you. I'll send it to you. It's good. It actually, it's pretty eerie with uh, the the mashup there. Okay. What was I talking about? I don't know. Oh, who do you think is going to get the vaccine first? Uh, healthcare workers or, or educators so they don't have to close the schools? Uh, healthcare workers. Oh, because you know, as soon as they talk about closing schools, people shit their pants, Jarrett. Well, there's no real safety net for people at this point. That that's the the, the added twist to everything currently. Because before, when they shut down, it was like, hey, you're going to get a handout from the government to get help you through. Fantastic, mm-hmm. awesome. Now it's like, oh yeah, no, we've changed all that, <laughs> and uh, now now you get fucking nothing, and uh, you still have to figure it out. But is it still taxable than nothing? I don't know. The new version, the, the modified version that's like more difficult to get onto that like sounds like people get turned off of all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure. It doesn't sound promising. People aren't throwing it around as much. It's like it'd be, some people might not even know it exists as much. So that's it's probably a Canadian problem. I think that's a, a Canadian problem. I'm not sure what uh, the, the other great nations are doing, but hey, it's fucking winter now. Kind of officially not winter. Because some people are very particular about when it's actually winter, RJ, because they're boring people. You know when it's, it's winter? fucking winter. When the snow comes. When it snows. Correct. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, sometimes that can happen like at weird times of the year. I mean, we have gotten snow in August before, oh. but it's like if, it, if it's gone in a week, that doesn't count. When, well, when it snows and it's here for more than seven and, days, that's and, winter. And daylight, in daylight savings, I think, is a good indicator as well anything because yeah. it, it's so dark out I, I think people need to settle the fuck down how about that mm-hmm. hey maybe this will help out maybe this will help uh bend the curve because we're not trying to flatten the curve anymore that's that's so eight months ago we always need to bend it a little bit do you remember when your buddy uh justin trudeau was trying to start his own slang and he was talking about planking the curve because he always likes to plank on like uh like office I, desks I, and stuff I, I don't remember this rj he well, everyone was talking about flattening the curve. He was tweeting about planking the curve, and mm-hmm. all I could think of is that that picture of him doing his yoga plank on that. Uh, I, I assume a business office desk. Do you remember that, Jared? Remember that one? What is he like? Forty nine years old, I think. I don't know how old he is. I just know that he likes tell, showing everyone that he's in in peak physical <laughs> fitness. Well, he he is quite the specimen. <laughs> Well, I mean, Donald Trump is also a wow. peak physical fitness. His doctor said oh, so. 48. Justin's. Who, uh, JT? Yeah. I thought he was older than that. Oh, well. Just. He's uh, 48. Wait. 48 years ago, that was when Pierre Trudeau and his family visited <laughs> Cuba. 
Wait a minute. All right, Ezra. Calm down. I'd like to reiterate that uh, these are characters we play for Mm -hmm. a podcast and not the true opinions of Mm -hmm. uh, the actors in the roles. Be careful. They're going to throw you into COVID camps in Manitoba. (laughs) I've gotten out of worse situations. Come on. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I'm so great, anyways. by the way. Fantastic. And hey, if I did we, ask. RJ, if you if you start choking, I can save your life. If you uh, if, if I... you lose a hand, I will make sure to like put some gauze on that stump, bandage it up real nice, and I'll, I might even remember to grab the the hand. But if you where are you gonna get the gauze from? Um, you know, it's always it's like right near the wool blanket that I'll also put around you because you'll be in shock, right? Where are you going to get the wool blanket from? It's just right over there. You just oh, go, okay. you, you send someone to get it. That's, that's one you of the th- things you learn too. You, you say, hey, you take charge. And you say, hey, bud, you- go grab the go grab the stuff. Go grab that AED. RJ might need it. He might need to get his heart restarted. Get, anyone, give, give it a bump. Did anyone in your first aid class ask like if, uh, say you can't get gauze or like make a tourniquet. What if you removed your underpants and you wrapped it, the, it the said elastic it should be cl- It should be clean. Should My be, underpants are clean. Well, I mean, it depends. What you're, are you talking about dressing or bandage? Uh, both. It, it would have to work both. On like a stomp hand, it'd mm-hmm. be a dressing and bandage. Well, yeah, yeah. You need a little bit of both, but which do you put for, on first? Uh, well, you use the actual material part of the underpants to cover it as dress as right dressing, and then you use the elastic waistband. One, one, as one the, could one could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So in an emergency, but you know, we live in a a, a little community where probably the ambulance will be here mm-hmm. in about four minutes. So maybe uh, just make sure you put some pressure on that stump. Well, I don't know about that. You know, uh, my uh, my wife's uh, grandpa was uh, he had to go to the hospital for a blood transfusion, mm-hmm. and then uh, he was going to be taken back to the place he lives and the, the they like they set up for an ambulance to drive him because they're like we don't want you guys to drive him yourself we'll, we'll take him in an ambulance and they're like okay and they're like he's got to be ready at 12 uh noon and they're like all right so they got him ready uh they moved him out of his room into the hallway at 12 and then uh the ambulance wasn't there until 6 p.m to take Ooh. him home. so uh, her like 89 year old grandpa just had to sit in the hallway for like six hours so Maybe even in this small town, maybe the ambulance wouldn't be there too fast. Maybe you do need to use your underpants. Sometimes, yeah, maybe. And that's Creepsville Regional Hospital uh, for the roast and toast, <laughs> leaving uh, senior citizens in the in the the hallways of their hospitals. Yeah, well, you know, if it's not the last time, if it wasn't the first time. Welcome to Creepsville. Welcome to Creepsville. Hey. So, anyways, what else? Yeah. Emails. You Emails. Uh, no. Oh, how many emails do we have? Six. Ooh, that's pretty good. All right, hit me. Yeah, first of all, we got Joshua Hayek via via, via Facebook. Ooh, I like that. Hi, you two serious creeps. Although I don't normally message in ever, I do listen to every episode and have come uh, used to hearing you. Geniuses of film and uh, mm-hmm. food talk every week. I still can't believe how many you guys watch in a month. I thought I'd share my measly 20. I thought they all were pretty good, but I really enjoyed Humanoids from the Deep and Patrick and Theater of Blood. I really okay. appreciate the whole podcast and think you guys are great. Also, I love all the Star Trek talk. I've seen every Ooh. episode of every series twice. For what? me, 
Enterprises number one. Also love <laughs> DS9 and Next Gen. Also, Whoa. you both should try Discovery. It's really good. Keep on creeping. Thanks. And he uh, sent along a screenshot of the movies he'd watched. Uh, Pet, Swallow, Babadook. Mm. There's Patrick. Pieces. Mmm, baby. Ooh, yeah, Pieces good stuff. Phantasm 2, Night of the Living Dead <sighs> remake, Human Ocean of the Deep, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Slumber Party Massacre, Driller Killer, Theater of Blood, Phantasm 3, Day of the Dead, Phantasm 4, Images, Exorcist, Audition, One Cut of the Dead, and Martyrs. Ooh, he, he had a pretty good uh, pretty good slate there. So sometimes it's okay to keep it nice and neat. Do you call that neat? Yeah, it's it's a nice little twenty five, uh, four by five. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally appropriate because that's definitely more manageable than how, what was your official number one fifty eight or something? One thirty five. I just said fifty eight as like a, a stupid exaggeration, but you are actually pretty close. <laughs> yeah, not too bad, RJ. Not too bad. I did math. Oh. Oh, well, that's nice to hear from a new person. And uh, I think that they'll be happy to know that um, we do plan to see Star Trek out to the end. Yes, Jared is going to watch Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, and what is that animated one called again? Um, The Lower Decks. He's going to watch that one with me, too. Uh, But uh, I think that's... That's got to be a hot take, uh, saying that Enterprise is the best, right? Because I've always heard that Mm -hmm. that was the the bottom tier, but I don't know. Well, I guess uh, one day you'll find out. I will. I'm yeah. It's like I said. I uh, I like them all. I'm gonna watch them all. Okay. Star Trek. Coming next. Uh, but okay. before then, we got Scott Bailey. George C. Scott Bailey. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him in a while. We still haven't. Well, you haven't. I've seen his Animal Crossing avatar. Okay. So that counts. So I watched one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. It's called. Zombie ass toilet of the dead. To quote RJ, <laughs> butts and dumps. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of it in this movie. There are butt worms as well. So, what are the weirdest movies you guys have watched? <laughs> uh, well, I'll let you lead because I feel like you have some really weird movies, don't you? Man, I don't know. I, I've seen probably some weird stuff and. I'd have to like go look through a list. What about you, RJ? What's something that comes to mind when you think of the weirdest movie you've ever the seen? Weird... So what do you mean by weird, though? Because like, I know there's bad movies I've watched. There's this list I have on Letterboxd mm-hmm. called Movies I Hate that Jared Duncan made me watch. Right. That's different. There's For weird? Um... Uh, I don't know. Some early day Peter Jackson stuff is pretty weird. It's not like the most groundbreaking that'll like blow your mind out or anything, but... At the time that I, I watched things like, you know, Dead Alive and Bad mm-hmm. Taste, I was like, these are pretty weird movies in a good way. Right? Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm stumped let on me, that one. Let me go to my films and let me let me sort it by least popular. That's what I'm, that, that, is, that, is, that is what I'm doing. That's what you're doing too? Yeah. <laughs> okay, film popularity and then 58 pages. Let's go right to the back. Mm-hmm. Back of the All book. right, the the uh, weirdest thing I have watched apparently is the most obscure. Yeah, not weirdest. Uh, the immune system, your magic doctor, which is a twenty minute video from nineteen eighty nine. I bet if you've taken science class in uh, high school, you've probably seen that too. Hmm. 
One of the uh, second most obscure is a short film on missing indigenous women. Uh, and then third most uh, obscure is Missy Misdemeanor Elliot Hits of Miss E, the videos, volume one. So that would be a uh, vid- uh, music video collection of Missy Elliot. Are you familiar with uh, this person, Jarrett? Missy Elliot? Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's yes. My third okay. most obscure. Hmm. One of, yeah. What about you? I mean, for unusual things that I've watched, worth even mentioning, uh, I've got the World Bodybuilding Federation Championship uh, contest that Vince McMahon oh, yeah. put on with Bobby Heenan. That was mm-hmm. the, the world's introduction to, to Lex Luger via Vince McMahon, even though Lex Luger had been around for a while. But that that's uh, that's fun. And, uh, ooh, there's a, there's a documentary I watched. I think this was maybe off of the Discovery Channel called Training for the Apocalypse. What's that one about? Survivalists. Real ones or real? Yeah, ones? R- real ones. Okay. I um, hmm. I actually found some real ones I can talk about now. Okay. For uh, alien abduction, forbidden zone, intimate secrets. That's a, a softcore porno. Mm. Uh, alien beach party massacre. That's a softcore porno. Uh, rock and roll space patrol. That is a softcore por- porno. Uh, Delicia, which is my favorite synopsis of any movie I've ever seen by Joe D'Amato. That's pretty good. Joe D'Amato. Yeah, he's the movie who made that dump movie. A man who made that dump movie. Oh, man. So many of my uh, bottom tier movies are wrestling. Yeah. Did they add all those pay-per-views back to Letterboxd? Weren't they they on and off? They they did. They did re-add them, which is... uh, frustrating now because now kevin dunn's my most watched director again again what about uh lasagna cat is that back on letterboxd yet ah i'm not sure comes and goes all the time it was my most popular review jerry Mm -hmm. and they took that away from you they took it away that's all i had going for me let's see lasagna cat are you back on here loading loading uh garfield is the first result Oh yeah, there's another one of these survivalist documentaries. When I was I had a phase and I was watching this stuff. This isn't even a follow-up. Um, Apocalypse Man, which was the sequel to the documentary on Michael C. Rupert, who is the subject of the documentary Collapse. I don't know any of the words you just said. Okay, well, someone out there might. I bet Sam Sanchez does, will. He usually knows what you're doing. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. But, but, but like honestly, like none of these are particularly weird. They're just obscure. Just obscure, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you we I think for weirdness, just check out what we're doing in May. That usually fits into that category. Honestly, it's it's kind of like the Christian horror movie stuff, I guess, is probably the weirdest. Christian horror? Christian horror, yeah. But they're like not like actually like they're like the movies that like Christians would make to scare fellow Christians. Yeah. Those are pretty oh. like the the uh, the whatever is the footsteps of the horseman or the hell that thing was called. Well, yeah, that was terrible. You don't need help scaring Catholics. We're we're so scared to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's just it's built in. Yeah, it's it's there already. So definitely. Yeah, being Catholic's wicked. Look at Joe Biden, president elect. He's Catholic. President elect. Uh, Mr. George C. Scott Bailey continues. 
I meant oh, to bring up last month. There's a book series I read in October called Tales from the Gas Station. It's about a guy who has a sleeping disorder and works at a gas station. There are weird things that happen, like hand plans turn into people. That's so my cool. question is, what are some of your favorite horror comic books or books you have read? Ooh. Horror? Well, you're a big horror boy, no? But, I mean, you, you're you a book boy. I am a big book boy. Uh, is it just books or comic comics? Books? Or, or, and, and or... Well, I mean, I think you're you're my communal mm-hmm. answer would probably be Junji Ito, right? Yeah, Junji Ito, I think, is uh, for comics. Him or uh, and I think I've, I've said before, uh, Josh Simons. I, I I think his horror comics are actually really effective, like Furry, Furry Trap. Trap. Yeah, yeah. And there's the second one that came out after that. That's also pretty got some good stuff. He does horror well. Hmm. Al Columbia, just mostly for the who's uh, that uh, cartoonist. What is he cartoon? His own stuff. He he barely has like a lot of work that exists. Uh, he had a book that came out from Fantagraphics called Pim and Francie. That's like the suggestion of a narrative because he's like I don't know. He seems to be riddled with personal demons and such. So, but when he draws stuff, holy shit! He he's a he he's really nailed the kind of a Max Fleischer uh, Disney style. And it's presented very, uh, I don't know, it depicts horror very well. It, it works quite nicely. And, like, he did some stuff back in, like, he did a comic called Biologic Show. He drew uh, some stuff in some this one sh- fairly long-lived Fantagraphics anthology series called Zero Zero. And he did, like, mm-hmm. five short short stories there that are, like, really well done. But, like, none of it's available. It's all online, though. If you go to, like, on Facebook, there's a Al Columbia fan page. And if you go to... Okay files it's all, got all his comics because they're all just scanned in because like none of it exists in print other than pim and Francie right now and that's not true actually uh this italian publisher called hollow press just put out a collection of biologic show and some odds and ends but it's like his earlier stuff um not quite as polished as he is now but pretty i think a pretty extraordinary illustrator and cartoonist and does horror uh very nicely i think i have pim and Francie. i'm pretty sure you made me buy it probably you're like you ordered this and i was like "Uh, i don't think so and you're like yeah you did and i was like oh okay what what kind of what kind of horror did you read last month if any i was trying to read books of blood three to six clive barker but uh, i got too busy and i didn't i was watching movies exclusively in my free time so i didn't really read a lot but uh it's here you know maybe over the christmas break it's right here beside or not three to six four to six maybe i'll read that over uh the holidays I was I read a little bit. I read did, some um, read? some Brian Lumley short stories. What's his deal? Uh he's like a it's actually surprising. He's very obscure now, but I remember his stuff was on bookshelves with Dean Coons and Stephen King back mm. in the the heyday of it seems like the the horror paperback in the nineties, at least for the big guys. And then there's I think Clyde Barker would be part of that too. But there's mm-hmm. like Brian Lumley, I just remember seeing his name because he's a series of books called Neo Oh god damn it. What's the hell it's got an awesome cover. Anyway, I'll look it up. Uh but yeah, he just writes like Lovecraftian things for the most part. But and maybe mm-hmm. that's why he doesn't get talked about as much. But he's nothing nothing yeah. none of his stuff's ever been reprinted or not reprinted. Necroscope. I, I knew it was Necro something. Maybe they'll uh paperbacks from hell that stuff. I don't, or is that too new? 
Ah, uh, he's still alive, and he's like way more famous than a lot of the I think those guys. a lot of those ones. But I mean, I did actually. I have an old copy of the Auctioneer, which I do believe uh, got paperbacked from Held. So I was just gonna say, because uh, um, I was gonna say that'll probably be the next thing I read. Which it, it came out this month in the states, but uh, my order I just saw. I'm gonna get it in uh, December. Mm-hmm. Is how how it'll how long it'll take? And uh, I've actually wanted to read that for a long time. So. Maybe maybe we read it together. We'll book club it. We can book club it. It's not too big. It's like maybe three hundred pages or something yep. like that. Yeah, I um, yeah, I'm. That's one after Clive Barker and that one I want to read next. And the, those paperbacks from Hell, I think they're like fifty fifty. But the last one I read that uh, was it Nightblood. That yep. one was wicked. Uh, you should check that out. I think you would like it. Maybe, maybe. Remember, remember it had that tracksuit vampire. I, I do, I do remember you talking about it highly. <laughs> It was good. I liked it. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Brian Lumley thing I was reading has been um, a collection of short stories called Fruiting Bodies. And uh, I guess picked it up mean? years ago. Uh, it's one of the short stories. It's about okay. mushrooms. Ugh. But like not it. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of gross, but in a very low key way. It like I was reading it. I'm like, I don't know. He's got a pretty, I don't know. He's a very competent writer is what I'll say. And he does the horror stuff and delivers it quite well. The last story I read involved like it's very uh it felt like a Stephen King story actually. But hmm. but like two two young boys uh fucking around on a viaduct and uh mm-hmm. enraging a hard R and uh, what? Sorry? And, and the hard R comes to get his comeuppance uh, at a inopportune time for the two young lads. And Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty good. It was it was pretty actually I was reading it, I was like, Oh, I feel actually I'm getting tensed here. Tensed? In tensed. which way? Like, like I was like, body oh, he was tense. Yeah, kind of like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> like, mm. like I'm like, how's this kid telling me the story? He's got to get out of this somehow. So where, where's the where's the rub? And then I, then it's like, ah, fun. That's fun. <laughs> so yeah, I'm enjoying that. Um, you know, picking it up, read that before bed. You know, every couple of days. What and about and, bed? You don't go to bed. Um, yeah. What? Right. Right. I don't go to bed. I didn't think so. The amount of stuff you watch sometimes. I was like, when does this guy sleep? Must be never. I, if, I, if I didn't sleep, it'd be off the hook, my man. Well, I, you could... I would be watching cinema with a rigor you've never seen, RJ, or experienced. Just do that micro nap thing where you just, every like two hours, you have a 20-minute nap, and then you're up again. Mm-hmm. That works, right? Yeah. Is, is that like eight-minute abs? Not not eight seven. Seven. Well, you can't even get a you can't even get a sweat going. Not at six. You need seven. Seven minute abs. Seven minute abs. What were we talking about? Aaron Lang writes in. Oh yeah, Aaron with an E or an A. Uh, which which which, which part? <laughs> There's there is an E in that name. Uh, I'm gonna leave that up to uh the viewer's imagination. Okay. Writer's room pitch. For the mm-hmm. next season, what if the creeps enter a time tunnel or wormhole and find themselves transported far into the future of Spine 1000? Like the crew of Voyager, the creeps find themselves far from home and have to navigate a new criterion landscape full of surprises and adventure. At the end Ooh. of the season, the creeps find their way home and return to their previous Spine-numbered programming. High concept. P.S. Don't listen to RJ. I'd never do. Doris huh? Wishman's Bad Girls Go to Hell is awesome, 
as yeah. are most of her roughies. Yeah. Of the Something Weird directors, Wishman is probably my favorite. Way more interesting than Herschel Gordon Lewis. I know she wasn't a competent filmmaker, but she did have a style, almost like the off way that Steve Ditko did Spider Man. Ooh. All mm. weird angles and strangely queasy. <laughs> <laughs> and though Wishman denies it was her intention, it is very easy to apply a postmodern feminist reading to her work. Well, I mean, there you go. RJ's, RJ's out. He's out. He, but she, he, she says that it's not? Yeah. So who do you trust? I don't know. Wait, do you know what I mean? Who Did are you, you going to trust? Do, 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 well, I mean, some say you should never listen to the author. Well... I mean, once this story's out there, it's no longer theirs. That's right. Uh, I would like a normal person to watch that movie and get their read on it because I know. Like me? No, you fit in with Aaron and Jackson and uh, and Sam. You, you're you're all the same, you guys. <laughs> bad bad I need dudes. A norm- you're all bad dudes. I need a normal person to watch it just mm. to get get a normal opinion. All right. A normie. <laughs> a normie. Yeah. Wait, who who do we who do we have that's a normal person? Well, maybe Samuel Loveland is. Sam Loveland? Heck yeah, man. Maybe him. Dismember? Dismember? Hello, creeps. Yeah. Following up on my email last week, as you may remember, I discussed doing a little mini Creeptober in December this year, as I'll have a lot more free time and have a lot of horror movies I want to watch. Thank you, Jared, for the excellent name, Dismember. I don't mm. want to take away from the hallowed institution that is Creeptober, so I won't be making a big thing of it. Odds are I'll only be watching 30 or so movies throughout the whole month, and in fact, I might start watching some early if I have the spare time. Mm. Just do it. Do it. It, yeah. it. it will not be stealing the thunder of Creeptober. I can guarantee you of that. Uh, <laughs> it, it is always the right time to watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, contrary to the fact that it seems like as soon as October ends, no more horror. But. Yep. But yeah. anytime's the right time. I think you should go for it. Yeah. But I would definitely go with dis member as opposed to deck member. I mean, I don't really even know what half the words you're saying are, so that's do do whatever new. feels right, I think is the answer. And and watch bad girls go to hell, apparently. Weigh in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think R- that, R- yeah, apparently yeah. RJ recommends it. On that note, Ugh. Last Thursday, a friend and I over FaceTime, since Utah has some of the worst COVID spikes in the entire country, mm-hmm. woo, sat down and watched Martyrs. Sheesh. Mm. While the last third of the movie wasn't as bad as I was expecting, it still got me pretty good. One of the most visceral reactions I've had to a movie in a long time. I gave it a 9 out of 10 on Letterboxd. Interestingly enough, I actually knew the basics of some of the spoilers going in, which I think almost made the movie scarier since I was constantly expecting things to happen, especially when things Mm. happen like the camera zooming out or audible footsteps out of frame. What are some of your favorite French horror movies? Oh, God. There's not many. Seems like those French know how to make some nasty movies, probably stemming Mm. from their weird cultural urge to constantly want to start difficult conversations. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) I love well, that. I, I think uh, I think. Do you like any of those recent French extremity or whatever they're called movies? I know Jarrett wasn't fond of The Trouble Every Day, starring my very problematic fave Vincent Gallo. Anyways, good to see Jarrett is enjoying those uh, Jean Boy videos. It's, um, SB Nation, now Secret Base, has some amazing content for all the sports freaks out there. Sorry for the long email, and thanks for your time, Sam Love Machine Loveland. It's good to hear from him. Uh, I, I, I think we should just start by saying that 
we should uh people should clarify martyrs is french canadian mm. not french not french proper so uh we we get credit for that um well does quebec well, give us that no they're separatists so they they would take it for themselves <sighs> wow. too rj strong politics uh, they are that's public, all, all, uh, all of them <laughs> Well, I mean, they voted on it. Wasn't the majority no. for separation? No. What if it was? That we'd be separated. No, I. So, I I distinctly remember they wanted to, and then Stephen Harper was like, "No, you're a nation within Canada, but you're not your own nation, oh or something like that." R.J. Some, se- separatism started I'm, long before Stephen Harper. <laughs> and I know, the, but I think there was acknowledgement during Harper's like first term oh, where he was just sure. like, "Wow." Yeah, because they're yeah. all they're all they're all federalists. They all they want to keep the family together. While shit talking, well, maybe Quebec and Alberta can separate together. That'll work great. So yeah, fr- 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 uh, French so, cinema. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of French extremism. Not really. Mm-hmm. Other than martyrs. So uh, I don't know if you have any uh, any ones that you like. Well, or French horror in general. I mean. Uh, I mean, a lot of some people really like Inside. Uh, RJ did not, I believe. Uh, I did not oh, watch you, Inside. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to be your bag. High Tension is in that list. Raw is in no, that list. You. No, thank uh, you. I'm just going through the the track. Well, see, one of my one of my favorite movies is going back to the the good old days of the '70s when everything was right with the world. Uh, we had La Track. Which is like more of a th- horror thriller. That movie oh, is right. very good. Yeah. We have Jean Roland uh, in his uh, sensual films. Excuse me? Like The Nude Vampires. Oh. Fascination. Well, erotic vampire movies, I feel like. Do those count as French? They were made in France. Okay, I guess it counts. Uh, you know, in a, a few weeks, we'll be watching Eyes Without a Face. Is that French? Yes, yes, it is. I, I think I own that fucking movie. Good. I think. I'm, 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 I'm glad for you. Yeah, Trouble Every Day I was just wildly disappointed by. Mm-hmm. And I I am amused kind of by Vince Gallo's antics. Yeah. I I think uh, my I think I'm wildly disappointed in all of the French extremism movies that I've watched. You haven't seen Raw yet, right? I have. Way back when. Really? Yeah, Did like, we talk about that? Yeah, probably. And it's Did you like, like it? Not really. Yeah, I didn't like it either. No. Um, and I also don't like high tension, but uh, well, I think that, I, that that's not you can't that no one's gonna hold that against you. That's it's, that movie's got champions though. People fucking love talking about that movie. I, I haven't watched it for a really long time, but I do remember the, the first half of the movie is pretty good. Like it's like it's got some pretty intense violence, and like the tension of it does feel mm-hmm. is is really well done, and then. It all gets to the end, and you're like, what? And then you're just like, well, that's the stupidest thing in the world. And, yeah, and they just stick with that. You're like, okay, all right. It's it's yeah. one of those things where you're just like, you're like, I feel like the twist invalidates wow. the whole movie. And for- then there's uh, Calvert, a.k.a. The Ordeal. That's that's a good one. I think I borrowed that from you for, like, four years, and then I gave it back to you, yeah. and I was like, I'm not watching this. Pretty much, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's, like, Belgian horror, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, any other good? I guess. Oh, I guess Revenge is French. I Which Revenge? Uh, the one you watched, the new recent movie called Revenge. 
from like three years ago. Oh, the rape revenge movie. Yes. Um, I I didn't like that as much as everyone else seems to. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I wrote a review or if I just talked. To well, on the and also RJ. I mean, this is not extreme horror, but Beyond the Walls. That's very good. Yeah, that's really that good. movie's super super good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just trying to think. There's that other movie that I think is technically French extremism. What is it called? Them, that home invasion one yes. that goes yeah. into the sewers. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was like, eh, I was so so on that one too. How about uh, uh, the one you just watched, <laughs> the uh, In My Skin? Oh fuck that movie! Yeah, I don't. I mean, I that's yeah, that is extremism. That movie's uh, that's a different. Uh, Different ball game altogether, I think, though, right? Uh, I mean, it co- it could fall into the camp. I mean, it's it's one of those movies where it's like horror question mark, right? Yeah, I I mean, I think it's definitely horror, but uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. You're super un- within about twenty minutes, you're going to be super uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. that's going to last for the whole movie. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know. There what go. about martyrs? <laughs> Justin Peterson. Ooh, With baby. an email entitled, Criticism and Where's the Food? Hey, Jared uh-huh. and RJ, what's happening? I'm enjoying a Wednesday off work this week for Veterans Day, which has me curious about what you guys think are some of the biggest misconceptions the world Americans have about Canada. Oh, fuck. I got uh, I got some. Okay, because I, I don't really have any, I don't well, think, but I'm curious, RJ. You, you seem like you've actually thought about this before. Well, I lived this year because mm-hmm. uh, I attended uh, after after I finished high school. I went down to Colorado for a year, as I've said a few times. A few times. And uh, I I was people asked me questions, and I was always kind of it was like, you know, you get asked a question, and your eyes kind of go squinty, and you go, hmm. You're like, what? Uh, I think the most common thing I I got all the time was a. Uh, They'd be like, oh, your uh, your accent's different. And I'd be like, oh, I'm from Canada. And they'd be like, oh, you know Jim? And I was like, Jim who? And they'd be like, he lives in Canada. He's like, do you know where? And they're like, he just lives in Canada. And I was like, can't help you, man. Hmm. I, I, I can't help you. Uh, I've, I I swear I've gotten that countless times. But was, I, it, was it specifically always Jim? No, it was different. It was a different name every time. Okay. But it was just like, do you know this, like, just first name, not even a last name. Do you know this person? Where do they live? I don't know, in Canada. It's like, you know, we're the third largest continent or like country in the world. Landmass. Landmass. Yeah. Wow. It's like, we're pretty spaced out. There's 30 million of us. He's like, no, he's up there. And I think one time someone even followed up with, he has a beard. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just, I, I can't help you, man. <laughs> Hmm. I really can't. Uh, so I got that a lot, which was super frustrating. Um, we get a lot, a lot of talks about accents. Uh, but like, you know how I've heard people say like, like other Canadians, they'd be like, oh, I went to like Australia and like people found my like accent, like charming, stuff like that. Not the case for me. People thought I was a hard R down in the States because <laughs> of the way I talked. Uh, and, and they would tell me. <laughs> frequently and uh like almost all the time they're like why do you talk so weird i was like because i'm not from here like how do you not understand that it's like we speak differently well you know uh, that I, was... I, on according to our youtube uh people assume we're american a lot if they're not from, from wisconsin if they're not from american and they're not canadian yeah. they assume that we are 
American because it's always like, oh, Americans, right. they just don't get these things right. And you're just like, ah, your mm-hmm. dick's showing. I, who, me, personally? <laughs> I hope not. No, uh, you, know what another, you know what another one that grinds my gears is? What, what grinds Everyone your gears always, there, bud? Americans always try to make fun of Canadian bagged milk. And it's like, our milk doesn't come in bags. That's what? like, that's just Quebec, I think. It does is, in Quebec. Is, does it? Yeah, they is, have baked milk over there, but not do, do they? not anywhere else. They don't. Yeah, have... they do. Not all of Quebec, but that's where that's mm, where that I don't rumor know, is I'm coming not, I'm, from. I'm not, I'm not sure I feel about this like anti-Quebec sentiment coming from <laughs> I'm you. Not, I'm not saying it's anti. I'm not saying it's anti, but all I think all Americans think. I see this all the time on like Reddit and Twitter. People are like Canadians with their baked milk. It's like we don't have baked milk. That's just one province. Hmm. Or maybe it's Ontario. It's some eastern province, but what, I'm pretty what, sure there's one, one of one them. Of, one of them, either Ontario or Quebec, that has baked milk, not us. In some parts of Canada, milk bag. Mm-hmm. It's not us though. That's just like I'm pretty sure it's just Eastern Canada. The invasion was introduced in 1967 by Dupont using European oh, equipment. That's Quebec, baby. Uh, the milk bags are sold in parts of central Canada and the Maritimes, but not widely sold in Western Canada and Newfoundland and Labrador. Three bags, three bags are sold together in a large bag containing a total of four liters of milk. The bags mm-hmm. are not sold individually and are either not labeled at all or labeled with only the expiry date, the lot number, and sometimes the type of milk. Sometimes. Oh. Imagine so like, it doesn't tell you if it's like one like percent or skim 3%. or three point two five. You you think you're getting some nice one percent and you're just taking home a thick homo milk? Like what's oh. going on there? Oh. <laughs> have I ever told you like I don't know? Have I ever told you my story about like when I was a kid? I didn't know it, like there were different kinds of milk. Yeah. And my dad would like change it up. He would just be like he just like buy different types of milk, but he he loves that uh, homogenized. <laughs> Oh, he's a homo milk guy. Oh yeah, and oh boy. I, you gotta watch I, out for this. I, I I didn't know it existed, and then one day I, I pour my milk into my cereal, and what's this? This lump of fucking something in there, and I'm like, what is that? And I throw it out immediately, and I was like, yeah. no, no way. And it's like this is the most disgusting thing. It's like the milk's rancid. It's wrong. So, no, that's normal. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not good. I mean, says, don't I, don't worry, Jared. It's homogenized I, milk. I, I drink. Like, I don't I know drink, what that means. I drink zero milk, so uh, I just mm. I'm, I'm not into this milk conversation. Milk bags don't impact my, me or my way of life. Um, well, I'm a big milk boy, mm-hmm. and uh, so for a long time I was a one percent people, and then I started getting a lot of shit for it. And everyone's like, "What are you drinking water? That ain't milk. Drink two percent." Like, are, are they like just like drinking their like, four liters like out on oh, the stoop? Yeah. Just, yeah, they're sl- slamming it. It's like this. This guy's drinking one percent. Big, big mustache on that. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. So I, 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 I sometimes switch between one and two now. Two's definitely creamier than one percent. But mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I just want to slam some one percent. Any Get other miscon- any other misconceptions? Oh, I'm sure there's tons. People didn't think we had electricity in Canada for a while. Oh, so cool. Yeah, I mean, we're working on it. What's the snow like up there? I mean, it snows. No. It's not snow all the time, but mm-hmm. it snows. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, I've i gotten a few. The worst definitely was people who are just – and, like, I, I don't even know how 
like to put a number on it, I'd say I got it maybe 12 times, 12 to 15 times. Do you know this person? Random name? Nope. Never heard of him. No. Anyways. Anyways. Foodie question of the week. Is it milk-based? We're going to find out. With us being in an ongoing pandemic, I had been packing on a few more pounds this year. So around the start of October, I decided enough was enough, and I have totally changed my diet and started walking every day. And in a month, I have lost around 19 pounds. I also got got a few gizmos to make this experience more fun, like a smartwatch and a digital scale that lets me track my progress on my phone. Have you guys ever done any serious dieting? And if so, what strategies did you use? Well, Jared, haven't you lost about 100 pounds in the last three years? Can you tell uh, your Four years, yes. Yes, I did, RJ, as a matter of fact, lose mm-hmm. about like 95 pounds. And yeah, uh, walking, podcasts. Pod- podcasting helped you? Pod- pod- uh... Podcasting was, the, I think, the biggest contributor. No, listening to yeah. podcasts was a good way of like motivating oh. one to walk. Because mm-hmm. um, you're like, well, I need, especially if you find some, you know, long podcasts that are like you know three to six hours long uh that those are great uh i don't know of any and those your that's your reward for your walk if you have to go out no matter what you might as well be listening to something and you're like well i can't Mm -hmm. i can only listen if i go for a walk and yeah using like i don't know uh, my fitness pal or something like that to keep Mm -hmm. track of the food you're eating get it yeah the digital scale i'm assuming you mean for weighing food uh that's i think really Mm -hmm. important and yeah uh chicken breast is your friend eggs chicken and rice chicken uh eggs uh i thought you were allergic to aids i am now but i mean most people aren't but so eggs are good for Mm. they fill you up in the morning chicken breast is fantastic because it's like the amount of protein you get per calorie is like one of the best i think pound for pound and super easy to make and you can you can put it into most things and it tastes really great but usually you try to cut down on those sauces um and i would say probably just cut out sugar as much as possible because once you have some sugar you just want more sugar and that includes carbohydrates even though they're delicious but boy oh boy once you have some you just like have the desire just keeps coming back more and more and then yeah but yeah, I, I do find like when you're when you when you start high, it comes off really fast, and the the key is to make sure you don't get discouraged when you have like a period of a plateau and just keep going, and never take anyone's like, oh no, I think you're just fine the way you are. You don't need to do any more. Fuck them, ignore them. Hmm. So are you are you body shaming people, Jared? No, I'm encouraging. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, you 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 have a pretty interesting story. I think you lost a lot of weight. You did it by listening to podcasts. I did. Do you know what my diet plan is? Uh, drinking two percent milk and whatever concoctions that you make week to week. Uh, yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, I was just gonna say fuck it. I yeah. just eat whatever I feel like. Right. Pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fat guy no matter what people say on the internet. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about my appearance again on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not a huge fat guy. And if I was, I would still say fuck them. Mm-hmm. Cause why not? Why not? Right. You know what I ate? Uh... Oh no, wait. I shouldn't tell this story. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Very well. Bess, good job, Justin. Keep up the great work. 
<laughs> or go the other way like me and just just say fuck or, it. Or, or or rj out so this week yep. i posted a review for past creep onibaba on the old letterbox and someone laughed that i labeled it as a foreign language film i asked them what was so funny and they suggested that i not use this labeling system and instead call it a japanese film some context here. When I first got on Letterboxd, I did not watch uh, not watch many foreign language films since I have tended to be a slow subtitles reader. I added the foreign language tag as a little badge of honor for myself watching more and more of them, and now I'm up to 136. Typically, I would respond with some kind of polite comment, but in this case, I just ignored it since it annoyed me because what am I supposed to do? Go back and relabel the country of origin for all those reviews? No, thank you. I really admire your fuck it attitude when it comes to the criticism you guys get on the show, mm-hmm. but has that has there ever been a case where you did take someone's constructive criticism? No, fuck it. <laughs> fuck them. I, I think he should, de- he should totally lean into that. Like someone going to give you shit well, about, yeah, well, I mean, I mean it's I like, get... yeah, I know you could label it Japan, but you could also go to the film's page, find that it's country of origin is Japan. And mm-hmm. you could sort by that too. I think it's totally reasonable to just take I mean, it as foreign. You... Right, yeah, I mean, it's all context. I guess, like, I mean, the, depending on the baggage that this person's bringing to the conversation, it's kind of yeah. this, like, element of, like, why are you othering these movies? But yeah. there's, like, a in movies, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, so much of the, uh, like, letterbox and film world is American-centric. And it's one of those things, like, the, the Oscars calls it the foreign language, like, you know, best foreign film thing. That's all, it's part of the 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 language of movies and i guess this person's trying to like highlight like <laughs> you're an idiot for not acknowledging this and embracing this term and it's like well for like what purpose it serves it's like oh yeah no that's part of it um like letterbox kind of keeps track of that stuff for you anyway um like when you have your profile mm-hmm. so labeling yeah, exactly. stuff doesn't really matter um yeah. and i mean like fuck i label stuff like black and white like it's for or silent films and stuff like that because it's just like curious to keep track of that stuff it's just like data i guess yeah i mean it's it's like not english or whatever it's not like you're saying that it's just like foreign language to the person it's subjective as well well i think i i i agree completely and i think this is the strongest case i've had for the way i take stuff ever Mm -hmm. well you well you hear it and then you obsess and get angry about it and never drop it Mm -hmm. in fact lean into it lean into it yes and i the mature thing to do I would recommend he go even the next step and become petty and vengeful about it too. Start bringing it up on your podcast, Justin, and start addressing these people mm-hmm. by name on your podcast as we have done. There you there, go. What was that one comment we got a while ago? Well, someone a week ago uh, on our Salo uh, review oh, said, God, no, hear this one, RJ. Uh-huh. And I thought I was a movie snob, lol. <laughs> I've never been called that. I know. I, I can't believe I wow. forgot all about that because I thought that was really funny. Wow. That's <laughs> like, yeah. wow, we've been called everything but. But what? see, you can't make anyone happy because you'll, ne- you'll no. someone will always come along. And yeah, so what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. The Oh, uh, actually, that's a good one. Uh, uh, a recent listener, DF on YouTube, says, the playback speed set at 0.5 makes you guys sound like stoners. I, I think that probably makes everyone sound like a stoner. Probably. I mean, most people, I don't know who's slowing down our, vi- our voices. Most people are speeding them up because they're trying <laughs> to get through. Uh, interesting, though. Actually, we did get a, a, to just go on that, we actually did get some nice things commented on uh, some of our videos lately. 
Mm-hmm. Like I think on one of the Cassavetes, there was a really nice comment. Uh, and then um, I think on the most recent Cassavetes last week, I noticed people were like on the first day, there was two down. Yeah. Or something. And it was like, what? I was like, who's not liking this? I was like, uh, I was nothing but like championing these things. So again, fuck them. Fuck everything and fuck everyone. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I mean, I don't know what the constructive criticism that would come along would be put into place at this point i think we've ignored all of it no i, I don't know if we've like i don't know if we've just i mean i get like comments like hey you should put timestamps in ghoul school and i go no, we no. literally talk about 80 movies i mean someone's welcome to create that in the comments like they're, they're, they're yeah. they can do that uh and yeah. that would be fantastic but no it'd be <laughs> I, easier to I, do I, listening I, after i record uh yeah i'm like i'm done i'm i'm moving on Mm-hmm. it'd be way easier to do that while you were listening to it than if if we had to do it while we were talking mm-hmm. and yeah you already do enough you don't need to do anymore i think the only the only uh constructive feedback we've ever gotten that we completely ignored was going to the discord channel and uh operating at a discord which i think a few people have mentioned yeah but, you know maybe but then, for but then i life, ask but then i ask what do i record with and then they go oh, i don't know and i go Moving along. I, I think there is something. I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. No one's been able to like explicitly say what I should be using because I would try it if like there was like a clear path. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I look online and everyone's got opinions and it's like, how much is this going to cost for me to try it out? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just you, mean Bagul, man. Is Bagul here tonight? I mean, have you ever, RJ, have you ever taken constructive criticism in your entire life? No. <laughs> I am, you know me. If someone said something to me two years or 14 years ago, just the smallest comment, I would, I'm still thinking about it. And you know what? I've still thought about ways to get back at them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my podcast character has definitely never taken constructive criticism ever. What about your real life character? Goat movie question of the week. Oh, okay. What are your favorite of all time George C. Scott movies? Hey, look at that. Scott Ooh. Bailey. Uh, my favorite Scott Bailey movie. Uh, recently, I, uh, Justin says, I recently saw him have an interesting role in Firestarter, but my favorite would have to be him in Dr. Strangelove. <sighs> George C. Scott. He's a, he's a pretty cool dude. Exorcist 3. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's Exorcist 3 completely. I mean, I think he's pretty good in The Hustler as well. Oh, and he's fuck pretty yeah. good in Rescuers Down Down Under. For for real. For real. Yeah, he's... For real. Oh, I love George C. Scott. What about uh, his appearance Hardcore. in Hardcore. I don't know. I'm just like, actually, fuck, I've only seen like 13. This is like a, like a John Ford type of thing. Not John Ford, uh... Uh, John Wayne, where it's like, I feel like I've seen way more John Wayne movies than I actually have. And same for George yeah. Scott. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Hustlers, great. Exorcist, uh, mm-hmm. Patton, it's good times. The chain, <laughs> the, the change thing I probably should rewatch. I'm curious if it's better than I remember. During uh, one of the Joe Bobs, uh, they they started showing like trailers for old movies that are on Shutter, and there was a trailer for Changeling, and I was like, George C. Scott's in Changeling? It's like I didn't know that. He's really cool. he's actually a really good Ebenezer Scrooge in a, a in, in a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. Yeah. Maybe I'll is this? Let me see if this is available, and I'll watch it this year. Is it available? It's on Crave Stars. 
Oh, oh fuck. Goddamn stars. It's like, hey, we want you to pay us just a little <laughs> bit more money. I, I got a story about that uh, once we're done this question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, there's a few I want to watch of his. He's from his uh, 70s output. The New Centurions, The Hospital, yeah. all the movies. Oh, he's, an, he's an Angus? Angus Thongs and uh, Snogging? Or the other Angus? Angus. Not Angus Thongs and Snogging? I don't know what that is. Just Angus, the Sam Sanchez, Jared Duncan pick? Yeah. Okay. Finally, some toy talk. Lincoln Logs oh, yeah. was a classic building toy I loved as a kid, but wow, are those sets expensive these days. Was this a toy you guys had in Canada growing up? You guys all live in log cabins, right? Wink. Just kidding. Thanks for the time, gents, and have See? a great show. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of Lincoln Logs, but I... I've never seen one. No. I'm pretty sure that that is like I mean, we maybe had like Trudeau logs, but is that just a piece of shit? <laughs> what is it? I don't know. So political. Oh, so um, political. Western uh, Western B Pearson. I don't know lumber. Fuck, fuck. I don't uh, know. No, I, I I've heard of Lincoln logs. No, no idea what those things what they actually are. Same. I've I've heard of the Lincoln Project. <laughs> I've heard of that too. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln yeah, logs. No, I, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like wood blocky things. I always thought Lincoln logs were like a candy bar or something, oh. like a nut roll. Like you know, like, nut like rolls. Le- like Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always thought it was a nut roll. No, yeah. we didn't have this shit. Nope. Nothing. Nothing kicking around. Nope. Around nothing our... even close to that. Inducted into. The... We had mega blocks. Do you remember Mega Blocks, Jerry? Yeah, we talked about them. We talked about that already. Yeah, no. we had Mega Blocks. That's Get. about it. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Don't know it. Yeah. No. No. Um, no nostalgia. I can search up some other stuff. What? Want this last email? Uh, who's it from? Actium Jackson Maximus. Yeah, I'll allow it. With an email titled, "I am not a crook." Oh, do you think he knows what we watched tonight? Hey, Creeps. Hope this email finds you well and in good spirits. It's also nice to see that you guys are back into watching movies again, although I would still stand behind Jared if he only painted minifigures for the rest of his life. Although I can't speak for Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, I was made aware of Jesus Christ Serial Rapist, which seems like a good watch for RJ come April. I look forward to hearing about some boys' opinions. That's John Boys. But yes, RJ, Jesus Christ Serial Rapist, directed by Bill Zebub. Bill Zebub, the real person who's 100% real? Yes, he's real. As real as you or I. I doubt it. Like He he directs such films as Dick Shark. Is the shark a dick or is the dick a shark? I think the dick is a shark based on the graphic that's on the poster. So it's like a person that has a little shark? It's, no, it's a guy with a shark dick. Okay. Like the girl looks like she's like face-to-face with a shark. Are you happy with the, oh, with dick, the way you know, your life is? You know, what? You know Dick Shark uh, from 2016 runs uh, 149 minutes. What? No. Yes. Is that serious? Yes, that is serious. Oh, why? And farm dickhole. Oh, how about RJ? Well, after you watch Jesus Christ Serial Rapist, maybe you'll watch Nightmare on Elmo Street, 
Um, ooh, is wow. that about the rapist oh, guy? Jesus Christ. Uh, wow. Rape is a circle is another one. Um, forgive me for raping you. Classic. Story as old these, as time. These posters are something. You know what I can actually say, though, RJ? I haven't seen any Bills Above movies. They sound like vintage Jarrett picks, though. Ooh, there is also Jesus the Total Douchebag. Dick Nato, Night of the Pumpkin. That's pretty tame. Mm. Zombie Christ. Oh, there's Santa Claus Serial Rapist. Breaking Mm. Her Will. Ugh. God damn it. This is there's the crucifier. See, that's why that's why you can't trust the Jackson's opinion. Jesus the daughter of God, a quantum Mm. leap of faith. Um oh there's Frankenstein the rapist. Um Wow. Trust your photographer. Uh-huh. Don't drink the milk. What is the milk? Dirt bags. Rap sucks. Surreal mm-hmm. psych- sicko. The lesser evil. Wow. Wow. And then some of these things say, like, banned in 69 countries. Get it? Only. See, see, see? this is what I, see? This is what I meant. Got you got you. Jared, or you. You. Jackson and Aaron Lang all say that you think Bad Girls Go to Hell is probably a good movie. I know you haven't seen it, but it's like that's this is the wheelhouse that we're working with here. Mm. It's all the same camp. Okay. Different tent, same camp. You ever heard that one before? Hell, hell of a mailbag. Hell of a mailbag. I wish it was a female bag. <laughs> all right. Do you Bill, get it? All right. Bill's above there. Yep. Hey, RJ. What you been creeping on? I got some shit for you, big dog. Some real heavy shit. What do you want first, though? Do you want want me to rip through two movies quick? Yeah, do it. All right. So you ever heard of my wife? (laughs) Uh, You're like Andrea? Yeah. Yes, I know Andrea. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of Borat? I have heard of uh, Borat. Subsequent movie film. I have. Should I do the? Should I do the? My whole recap and Borat voice. No, they're nice. Me a Borat. So, do you know what this movie's about, Jer? Yeah, I've never even seen the trailer for oh. it. All I know is the Rudy Giuliani thing and mm-hmm. kind of that he made a movie and the people back home are not happy. Yeah. So all I knew about all I knew about this movie was that it was. Trump land Borat and I was like all right whatever that makes sense uh so the plot here is Borat goes back to Kazakhstan and uh because his first movie people thought was silly or something Kazakhstan was embarrassed so they put him in a prison camp for 14 years okay uh and they pull him out because there's a great menace in America uh Barack Obama so they're sending him to go take care of it but he's too late and then it's Trump is there, which they actually like. So they want to give Trump a present because they're like, well, you did it. You got rid of Obama. So do you see? Mm. You see the thinking here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to take a present to uh, um, Mike Pence. And uh, the present is his daughter because he's got this old daughter and they don't like daughters in Kazakhstan. So he's like, I'll give her to Pence and it'll make a great partnership between USA and Kazakhstan. So that is like the 
overarching thing, I guess, uh, to this thing. Uh, but then actually, so like what you have is, I think, uh, you have some good kind of setup stuff where it's like, so the, the actress playing the daughter has a bit more agency in this because in the opening scene, uh, when he's dressed up as Borat, it shows that like everyone recognizes him and it makes Borat jokes. So he's like, it's self-aware in that sense where he's like, I can't just be Borat anymore because too many people know who Borat is. So he, he dons like a bunch of different disguises, like real Sasha Bear, Baron mm-hmm. Cohen stuff, which I think was smart to, uh, to go that route. And I don't think there was really any other option. Um, so the movie is him, uh, and his daughter interacting with various American type people. Mm-hmm. You get people like, uh, like a wildlife store manager where they go buy a cage for the daughter and they explain that it's for her to live in. And the guy's like, okay. And then he's buying like propane tanks. He's like, how many people, how many gypsies could this kill? And he's like, how many do you got? So, you know, the classic, uh, Borat, uh, zingers where it's setting people up to just mm-hmm. be themselves. Uh, you do, have, I mean, do we need Borat for people to even do these things anymore? Well, no, and like that's my only like real real knock on this where it's just like so much of this is just what our reality is now over the last four years. It's like Borat's Borat's outdated because it's (laughs) like what what we actually have now is worse. It's far worse. (laughs) So it's like, and then you see Borat interacting with his people and then things that I think 15 years ago would have shocked you where it's like he goes to a cake store and uh, he's like, can you custom customize a cake? And she's like, yeah, of course. He's like, can you write the Jews will never get us or something like that? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And she writes that out there. And then I feel like at one time people would be like, oh, my God. But now it's like that's it's just par for the course, it seems, for uh, for US of A in some in some places. Um, so you get like the standard people like that. Uh, you get, uh, he goes to a rally with Mike Pence where Mike Pence is there. That one's interesting. And then, uh, so Mike Pence turns down the daughter and then, uh, they try to give her to Rudy Giuliani instead. And that's where that kind of comes up. Right. And, and actually like, so I know that like that bedroom scene is like talked about, but like all this stuff kind of before it's, um, there's not really much there. She's like, she's like trying to interview him and he's just like, you're doing great, honey, you're doing great. And like, that's all it is really. So there's nothing too damning other than Giuliani as he is mm-hmm. talking about eating bats and stuff. And you're like, okay, <laughs> he, he's like China unleashed it. And you go, okay, Rudy. All right. Uh, so anyways, my takeaway, Jared, oh. uh, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely entertaining. I think it is. It's worth a watch. Um, I don't think it's, I think it makes smart decisions where there's not too much of the Borat stuff people expect. He's not just going my wife for like an hour and a half, but there is a little Which, bit of it. There. I mean, he never really did that anyway. No, that, that was, that, that was his fan. That was the fans. Yeah. That's, that's what came later. So there's, there's a few fan service things like acknowledging the first one, but I think it does kind of try to make its own path. And, um, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch, but uh, at the same time, it's like I don't know. I mean, other than like a uh, a kind of a time capsule of Trump era. Mm. I mean, assuming it does go away, unless he stays forever, then it's it's not even a time capsule anymore. Right. But assuming he does go away, then it'll just serve as that. And at that point too, it's just kind of like 
you know, it goes by pretty fast and it's, there's a, I don't know. It's good. It's definitely good. But uh, it's like I said, I don't know if, um, if you, if you're not like, if you don't want to be back in Boratville, there's no real reason to watch this. I don't think. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, cause I, I brought this up to Andrea and I was like, do you want to watch this? And she's yeah. like, nah, not really. Right. She's like, I don't, she's like, I see Trump people all day on the internet. She's like, I don't want to see like a movie based on it. And I was like, I was like, that makes sense. It's not all that. It is like more other things. And there's, there is a pretty good Justin Trudeau joke in the first five minutes since he's been a popular topic tonight. Um, but anyways, are you going to watch it? Maybe never. If I'm like, just, if I can justify the time of like, oh, I'm going to yeah. watch Bora. I just want to watch something light and it might have to be in the right mood. I wouldn't not, I wouldn't not watch it. Yeah. It's, it's super topical for right now, right now. So and that's what I mean by like, I don't know what this movie is going to play like in a couple of years. Well, yeah. I mean, especially no, no if, movie knows. Yeah. No movie knows. And that's not why you make movies, but uh, it's definitely a right now kind of thing. So anyways, mm-hmm. Borat, do you have any questions about Borat? Nope. It sounds okay, like you, you confirm pretty well everything I assumed. Yeah. So that's, I, all, uh, that's all I ever want, RJ. I just want confirmation mm-hmm. of my pre-existing conclusions. Confirmation bias? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's worth watching, but only if you want to, if that makes sense. <laughs> Rave review. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's good. It's yeah. just like, yeah, that's all. Uh, and then I watched uh, They Shall Not Grow Old, uh, the Peter Jackson uh, yes. effort. Yes. Um, so the reason I watch this is it's on Crave and I've wanted to watch it for a while and I just saw it's on Crave's leaving soon. Like it's going to leave at the end of the month. Right. So I was like, I better watch this. This is his, uh, um, documentary about, uh, that he like, it's his world war one documentary that he restored in mm-hmm. color and then like added audio to it and stuff like that. So have you, have you seen, what do you know about this? All I know is that it is a recolor it's a colorization of the footage but like done on a like completely different scale than we've ever seen before but that's about it like i just noticed like yeah it's world war one and it's like making them like feel like you know because like when you watch old footage it's like Mm -hmm. this like grungy old film stock that's been unrestored uh the frame rate is all off because that's how it was shot and so i've seen like kind of work like this done where they've taken like, you know, the early silent films, like, you know, from like 1896 and they've kind of like set it at the proper uh, frame rate and kind of filled in the gaps. So you get that proper persistence of vision. So it looks like, Oh, these are like human beings. Cause like you watch the footage and it seems like it's a, it feels like it's a series of photographs rather than like a film, if that makes sense, even though that's literally mm-hmm. what film is, but it feels jumpy and kind of turns the people into not human beings like it doesn't yep. have the it doesn't have the uh vermisitude of uh when you watch you, when you watch youtube and you're like oh yeah mm-hmm. there's just people that's what they then people just look like people on film when you watch like stuff from like you know 110 years ago uh it looks off and doesn't feel like yeah. they're they were ever real if but then this kind of restores that we're like oh hey those are just guys walking around in trenches mm-hmm. in, instead of like are these actors reenacting things in a movie? Yeah. So uh, everything you just said, spot on. Um, so the only confirmation bias, confirmation Confirmed. bias, uh, the audio is done. That is reenactments from actors, but it's, it's pretty it well done where it's like based on, well, yeah, it has to be, but um, 
it's pretty it is the audio is pretty seamless and it's it's well done where they like obviously could see what people's lips were saying and they just kind of put it in there so the audio is good uh, uh in terms of world war one footage i mean i i think everyone knows that world war one and world war two were pretty fucking horrifying mm-hmm. um so you get a lot of that you get uh, a lot of the trench life uh some trench foot jarrett live yeah. and colored hey, I, I just get... I, I just read about trench foot this week for first aid Ooh, man when that uh when they pull up that footage on trench foot i i was not expecting it and i was mm-hmm. like oh my god Mm-hmm. it's don't it's, leave uh, don't leave your socks on all the time rj well and like the guys are explaining it too like and so some of the voiceover is from people world war one vets who were recorded later in yeah. life like right. after world yeah, war one they, they all didn't just, they all didn't magically disappear at the end of world war one <laughs> no i just mean like like I don't think they they didn't record the audio for this movie, obviously. Right. But it was like it was recorded yes. sometime yeah. later, and S- then some put in... some decades after, at some yeah. point, you know, before they expired. Yeah, and then repurposed for this. Uh, but like paired up with the footage, it's really nice. Where so they're talking about like the trench life, and they're like, yeah, you'd get moved in the trench. And they're like, and uh, they're like, this is where you lived. And it's like, you'd have a sandbag you could sleep on sometimes. It's like, it was muddy all the time. And, uh, and like, the thing was like, yeah, you'd want to take your socks off to dry. It's like, sometimes you didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. It's like, you just lived in mud for like a month. It's trench life. Um, Also, one thing I never actually saw before was their shit post. So they would put up, they dig a trench and then put the post up and yep. then they all kind of sit on it. Yep. And uh, they talked about the jokes where some guys would fall in the trench sometimes. And it was, uh, it was a good laugh for the lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also liked when it showed like the sports and uh, like games they would play with each other. That was either like blindfolded boxing or they would like do jousts with each other. Just And they said it was like, you know, a couple of lads having fun. Well, they, they didn't have iPhones, RJ. No, I, I mean, like, I, I actually did watch it. it. No, that's fun. what I mean. It's like, it was the before time. The before time. Uh, so that was all good. So my only, like, my only thing, like, notch on this is, as nice as the restoration is, it does dip in the Uncanny Valley, like, a lot. And some of it is, like... Peter Jackson-esque. Now, do they have but... any soldiers making an escape on barrels going down a river? Uh, I mean, that could have happened off panel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I know um, that I know Peter would have fought for that if it was he, in his I think vision. He would have fought for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's most of it's pretty good, but there there's a lot of scenes where like the restoration, you're like, oh you're like, this doesn't this looks like some PS two graphics kind yeah, of stuff. You know what I mean? That sure sounds like my Peter. Mm-hmm. So uh it's it's good, but uh, I think about an hour into because there's 20 minutes black and white, and then it goes into restoration. And then I think about 30 minutes from there, I was kind of like, I was like, this restoration stuff, it's it's getting to me. Mm. So um, not bad. Any any like world like World War One two footage stuff is always always good for a watch, right? Sure. Sure. So uh, what do you know about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Jarek? <sighs> Um, well, do you want, maybe I'll talk about my movies first and then we'll do okay. disc nine. Maybe we talk about your movies. Maybe we'll have a little bathroom break. You know, anything goes. All right. Anything goes. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So first off I watched, I've been getting some documentaries 
A little bit. Really? Bit. Yeah. I've been, there's the one I really wanted to watch for a while called Feels Good Man. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. You know, you know what it's about? Uh, Pepe the Frog. It's about Pepe the Frog. What do you know about Pepe the Frog? It's a hate crime to reproduce images of Pepe the Frog. It, be, it became the Pepe the Frog became a hate symbol mm-hmm. um, in light of its use on the interwebs by mm-hmm. the alt right of yes. uh, what, the 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 great one of the great gifts that 4chan produced. Mm-hmm. So feel feels good, man. Was it was at least aired anyway on PBS? Um, I guess sometime this year maybe before the world collapsed and yeah, it just kind of talks about Matt Fury, who is the uh, cartoonist who created Peppy the frog uh, in his kind of com. Yeah. It's a comic called boys club that he did Mm -hmm. like back in the early two thousands. I've got them. And like he was scanning pages onto MySpace, and one of the said pages Mm -hmm. involved um, the expression feels good, man, after Peppy the Frog goes to pee uh, at the toilet of the shared apartment he lives with with his three, like, colleagues, the boys club. And he just, like, completely drops his shorts, stands there buck-ass naked, pees, and then pulls his shorts back up. One of the roommates comes by and goes, like, huh, why are you doing it like that? And he's like, feels good, man. And from that point on, it's, like, kind of, like, hard to say how this became something because, mm-hmm. but it makes this leap it starts getting used on like like muscle bodybuilder fitness like message boards where people would post pictures of themselves and then they say i just gained 20 pounds of fat this week feels good man and like <laughs> it, it became this like thing of like a, a kind of a, to blow off something or like either like blow off a failure or blow off the success or making like it's like a, not a big deal and it's like oh that's kind of weird and then, mm-hmm. then 4chan, it picks up there. And then suddenly people just start redrawing this Peppy the Frog. And it just kind of morphs into the thing that probably every single listener of this podcast has seen in one shape or form or another over the years. Um, like I was not buying Matt Fury comics when Peppy the Frog became a thing online and even when i got those comics i was kind of like i didn't even connect them exactly kind of being like oh it's just a coincidence it's like it's a cartoon frog and then you realize oh no it's like a specific reference the feels good man part so the documentary just kind of touches upon how matt fury didn't think anything of it either because he's just this like really laid back nice positive guy who kind of resembles peppy the frog uh with his big bright eyes big white smile um he just likes to ride his bike he mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he's got a kid and makes his makes his comics and children book stuff. Paid no mind to this growth of uh, how Peppy the Frog became the rallying cry for your favorite group of people, RJ. Which ones? Um, I guess you would call them. I guess Spyric incels. I think. Oh, what is that? I've never heard of the term. I, I know it's something. That's what you would say. You, I think in your review, you you would take this as that. Um, oh, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that. So. Right. Well, they, they they do talk about the beta uprising. Oh, yeah. interesting. So anyway, what? So the documentary kind of makes the sto- the story that uh, the the internet boys really use the Peppy the Frog thing as theirs, and then one day, girls started using it. Katy Perry posted about Peppy the Frog. Um, Nicki Minaj posted something about Peppy the Frog. And suddenly, a 
according to the documentary, I'm sure this isn't quite right. Girls mm-hmm. started posting about Peppy the Frog. And, of course, okay. the boys club, the internet boys club, they were like, mm. no, bitches. No, it's ours. And so instead of like, so they start generating memes that are mm-hmm. ones that you wouldn't want to emulate for fun or cheeriness. <laughs> and hence, you start seeing Hitler mustaches and swastikas. And you start getting mm. the ironic use of the images because this is where things get very confusing with uh, this pod of people is mm-hmm. that you, they can always use the defense it's not serious until it is serious but if you think it's serious you're an idiot because you fell for the joke but it can go both ways over and over and over again mm-hmm. uh, um, and then that kind of uh, this kind of mindset and group of attitude you know it starts to like drift into Trump territory, and then they start oh. seeing him as a, a great vessel for uh, the, for, Pepe the, the for the for the feels good man uh, mm. uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's like video of like Hillary Clinton giving some talk somewhere, and someone yells Pepe on it, and they just lose their minds, <laughs> and they're like, "We can make this happen." And then someone discovers that there was an ancient frog god named Kek from in Egypt and so Kekistan is born uh there's the whole thing about like frog videos if when if you make a frog mad it makes that sound and that's how oh, that's I how don't like that. yeah and they connect that up with angry frogs and so mm. when when Peppy's unpleased or very displeased he goes Ree! so there's all those things and then it kind of like it caps off with like Matt Fury who begins to take the fight to the internet trolls very ineptly arguably mm. um but then there is a uh, a lawsuit that is uh, brought up against old Alex Jones of InfoWars because he was selling a poster by an artist who just uses uh, Peppy the Frog on it. And he's like, no, you can't do that. And so you get to see a little snapshot of that. And it's, it's fucking weirdly depressing. But then it mm-hmm. kind of it almost went, it lands on like a positive note where uh, Peppy the Frog finds uh, a new packaging apparently uh, in Hong Kong protests where they, hmm. the connotation is not one of uh hate uh, but is one of hope where it's like Pepe always looks so sad but maybe one day he'll be happy and it becomes a rallying Aww. cry for uh, freedom in a completely different context that sounds nice though yeah it takes a long time to get there because who man seeing these fucking people in like condensed form because like I wasn't really familiar with like how we arrived at Pepe the Frog being a hate symbol and then you watch mm-hmm. and you go oh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I get it. Fuck these people. Yeah. Well, isn't that the theme of tonight's podcast is fuck them? Fuck them. Fuck them. So uh, I checked that out. And then I followed that up with the my beginning of a dive into this Jean Boy's, Jean Boy oh, yeah. uh, documentaries. Uh, do, do you know anything about these documentaries at all? No, just what uh, what has okay. been brought up on now, the pod. You've seen the images though that are on the yeah. YouTube, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. what do you see when you look at those? It looks like a circuit board, right? Or it looks like like it's like a simplified yeah. graphic. Yeah. That is what the documentary looks like. It is all data visualization. Oh. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, uh, John Boy narrates the entire thing, and mm. the, the camera floats in and out of this data visualization of charts and figures yeah. and it just like slowly over the course of the, the runtime builds up this image that's like completely arbitrary 
Um, and it's just like, but it's built around it to make something that looks appealing. Um, the first one I watched was like an hour long. It's called The Search for the Saddest Punt in the World. Hmm. And uh, this one, he takes the last, was it since like 2000? Because that's like kind of like a, both the most reliable period of time now that the internet exists. And like, you can go and go, okay, from that point forward, we have every game and like stat and event kind of catalogable. And this guy goes through 46,000 points of data, which are when punts happen in a football game in the NFL. And his, his goal is to find the saddest punt in the last 20 years. I mean, I've seen some pretty sad ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he, it, he goes through the entire process of explaining the punt, where he would use the punt, strange mm-hmm. times punts have been used um yeah it's like it's it's gives a good start and i was like this is not at all what i was expecting like i didn't i didn't know what what his films were and then i'm like huh well this is interesting <laughs> like this hmm. is like a, a, quite a different way of approaching the subject matter because a lot of the time sports breaks down to stats for a lot of people mm-hmm. and this guy takes it to this absurd level and it's it's definitely got a sense of humor to it um like there, it's a very dry sense of humor but it's 100 percent there which kind of helps add to the entertainment value because, you know, he'll have a gag where figure four is Ric Flair applying a figure four to Bret Hart. And that's it. But, and it's just there for a second and it doesn't make any point of it. Doesn't even mention it, but there it is. And I laugh. Some, that's some real Jarrett level stuff right there. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like big time Jarrett. Big time. And (laughs) then I checked out Uh the Bob emergency. I was I was watching this it while while painting some minifigs because these wow. are fantastic to go along with like doing a little bit of something else because there's not always something that commands your attention because sometimes it's just like the camera hovering over a giant chart showing you the history of the name Bob in sports in the world mm-hmm. and then it kind of then hones in on a couple of stories of various Bobs of note that maybe you don't know. And uh, yeah, Bob emergency like, is really really good. Where did uh, Bob Laflamme fit in, in into the Bob emergency? He's, he wasn't a sports star, RJ. What was he not? <laughs> he was a heist man. Ah, uh, some would say that's a sport. Some could claim that incorrectly. Is minifig a sport? Mm, well, there is a competition. It's called the Golden See? Demon. I'm sure there's a competition for thieves. Haven't you seen Ocean's 12? Ugh, no, I haven't, Roger. Ocean's 11 was enough for me. Well, you're missing out, bud. You're so, not part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. and so the Bob Emergency, um, I mean, off of Letterboxd here, a study of athletes named Bob. For more than mm-hmm. a century, many of our greatest sports heroes were named Bob. It seems as though that would never change. Why would it? Why did it? Where did they go? Where did they go? Exactly. Well, ultimately, it's because people stopped going by the name of Bob. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jared, but I could go by Bob. I know you could, but you don't. I never have. Maybe mm-hmm. I should start. Yeah. Should Next week when we do our intro, should I go by Bob? We'll call you Bobby J. You could if you want. Well, um, I don't really like that. No. I, I like it. Bobby J, folks. Bobby J. I don't J. want Bobby. I just want Bob. Bob, Bob. J? Bob. 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 Hello, Bob. Bob. It does talk about uh, Bob from Twin Peaks. 
Well, I mean, some people say that I am the um, manifestation of evil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bob, Bob, right? Bob, Bob Emergency, these are all on YouTube, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, and it's like, what, 95 minutes for the two parts? Easy viewing. Hmm. And uh, next up, I will hopefully, well, no, not this week, because we've got a monster of a thing to watch for next oh, week. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Thanks, thanks, Robert Altman. But uh, yeah, Fighting in the Age of Loneliness, which is all about uh, MMA. Mm -hmm. Which uh, is like apparently really goddamn long, which is cool. Mm. And then, yes, we have the one that uh, Jackson recommended particularly, The History of the Seattle Mariners. That sounds super cool. I'll watch that maybe when we don't have nine hours of something else to watch. For sure. For sure. But yeah, no, I, I'm really enjoying them. They uh, they check a lot of my boxes, and I guess I'll I could also talk about my World War One film that I watched today. Sure, you could. I watched sure. uh, Umini Contro, aka me? Many Wars Ago from 1970, directed by Francesco Rossi. Remember Francesco Rossi, RJ? No. Director of Salvatore Giuliano. I've never heard of that before. You should uh, you should listen to this podcast. It's called the Criterion yeah. Creeps. I don't listen to podcasts. Oh, that's that's fine. So uh, many words ago, yeah. This is a, a film uh, about mm-hmm. the Italian, uh, Austrian front, and okay. it's pretty well Pazaglory, but 1970s Italian style. So uh, there's some. Scenes with horses being tripped during a battle scene, like many horses, because Italy, they they pinch their thumb to their forefinger and they go, mm, animal violence. Could you repeat that for the camera? So this is just a grueling film uh, depicting the horrors of World War One and trench warfare, the absurdity of leadership uh, of the time and perhaps of all time. Uh, Francesco Rossi, who I believe did identify with a little, little bit of communism. Uh, he has like a moment okay. that's like full on, like right in the middle of the, the battle. I think it's like with Alan, Con- not Alan, Alan Coney is the, uh, general bad, bad dude that they should have just put a bullet in. Cause he could have saved a whole lot of lives by just killing one man, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to break the military, uh, mind voodoo of uh obedience even though this well, guy's going to he's going to kill you you got your you're, they're going to kill you no matter what you can make life better for everybody but man it's, it's a hard thing to do it's not one of the the oldest tricks in the book you know uh so yeah uh jean maria volante a star of investigation of a citizen above suspicion or an investigation of a citizen above suspicion future creep okay. fantastic movie also, you'll remember him from Le Circle Rouge. Oh, no, you won't, because it's a movie that we covered on our podcast before. I've never heard of it. Right. So he's in this, and he has a great speech about um, they're killing us from both sides. We need to turn back and take back the power. It's 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 pretty good little moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of then you're kind of surprised. You're like, oh shit, that's what this movie is all about. But yeah, really well photographed. Um, yeah, again, the absurdity of like trying to take back a mountain of no import whatsoever. Um, when your own enemies are begging you to turn back because they are so disheartened to have to keep shooting and kill you. That's the, that, that's the type of situation that's depicted here in, uh, it's like YouTube commenters. 
Pretty much. Right? Pretty much. Where we're just begging them as like, don't comment on our YouTubes because we'll bring it up on our podcast. That's One right. of these guys is super petty. He doesn't mm-hmm. let things go. He never lets it go. I'll never let it go. That guy who bought a vape pen that one time. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Rid- so you like the, these things, eh? I did like these things. Mm. I don't know where I don't know where people could watch them other than YouTube for those. And then uh, many wars ago, I had I got that on Raro Video Blu-ray. What's Raro Video? A company. They put out. Uh, I think Kino kind of owns them. And is they, it, they they put out Werewolf Woman, if you remember. Oh, right. Is it a rare video store, but in Italy? Rare video. I don't know. I would have to ask someone for a translation on that. Jackson will let us know. No. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, uh, tell me about Star Trek. All right, Jarrett. <laughs> Well, see, now that I remember that next week is a, a big boy, I wonder if I should save a couple no. of these. No. No? Just hit me. Hit okay. me with it. Well, here's the first half of season three then, I guess. Ooh. So, oh, that's only like the first half of season three. Yeah. You didn't get you, – I, I was kind of expecting there. I think we all were expecting that you finished season three already. Well, I had only seen three episodes last week. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched another nine. Right. Yeah, but I, I'm busy now. Remember? I know, but I was I was getting the like my heart was a flutter that you had done season three. I know, I know. I I think typically I would, but I think this next few weeks I I'm just I'm just a little busy at work, and yeah. you know I'm just not getting enough little Star Treks in. Okay. Actually, this week too is probably uh, I got more than I would have normally, but uh, Andrea and I had to isolate for two days because that's <gasps> the world. That's. We're all good. Don't worry. But uh, because that happened, that facilitated me being able to watch nine episodes of Star Trek DS9. So COVID's good? COVID? Well, I mean, COVID has got me where we are now. Or else I'd still be in the original season, probably. Mm-hmm. So last time I finished on 3.03, that was problematic race relations. Yeah. Uh, 3.04. Uh, let me make sure I'm in the right spot here. You got your notebook? I got my notebook. A 3.04, Dis- uh, Cisco has a dinner party. Two out of four stars. Yep. So Equilibrium. That is just equilibrium. Uh, this is a episode about the Trill. And like, so Jadzia and all of her stuff. Yep. What was this? So it starts with a dinner party. And uh, that's that was my main takeaway from this. But it was all about... Um, uh, the tr- Dax inside Jadzia and like their previous counterparts and stuff. And there was some cool stuff in the episode, but I thought on the whole, the episode itself was just kind of lackluster. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I've got a whole bunch of notes here. Um, really? My notes here was not really <laughs> as an episode oh. to watch. Okay. More Dax. This episode okay. actually led to my small break from the DS9 train. Think, I think I spoiled this one for myself by accident. Dax's secret host, who was also a serial killer. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like the story here. Yeah, I think I knew that. And then I think when I watched it, I was like, I know what this is. And it's like, yeah. oh, they're taking the fucking Defiant to Trill Land, leaving the wormhole undefended? Fuck off. Was this all just for Bashir and Dax's slumber party? 
pretty well. Yeah. Mass figure is kind of Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, the generic cave transition. And then I wrote right. in, in brackets, the guardians. Mm-hmm. So chance floating poops in soapy water. This scene feels like it has been going on forever since it first aired. <laughs> ah, that was 86 years ago, but allow me to give you a detailed history of the specific period on which you are currently inquiring about. There, Well, it's brought up to like this doctor. And it's like, well, what about this? And it's like, let me tell you, even though it was like 100 years ago. It was like one of those things. Apparently 86. Apparently, I I didn't know I didn't have that detail. I'm curious how Trills discovered they could insert symbiotes into themselves. Uh, I imagine they crawled in someone one day, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I wrote. This seems like a great idea. Ah, oh god. And then, nice Cronenberg. Problem with Dax episodes? They are about her symbiote, what's inside her, and not Jadzia. Wow, that's pretty deep for a woman hater. I beg your pardon, RJ. I mean, that's that pretty... Bo- Bobby J. That's pretty deep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it does get brought up. Cisco is the only one who brings that up. It was in uh, the last Dax episode when they're trying to still steal the trill. And his big thing is that Jadzia is going to die and that she is a person too. Jadzia? So... Jadzia, Cisco. He's the only person who stands up for that. But man, you had a pile of notes for an episode that my only note was Cisco has a dinner party. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we can agree this is a skip. Yep. <laughs> uh, 3.05. I I think I'm the minority here because looking at the IMDb rating, which I know are notoriously not true, uh, Kira Cardassian, two out of four stars for me. But it's an eight out eight out of ten on IMDb. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So this episode is called Second Skin. Yes, it is. My review is I suppose. Ah, see? Well, we're on the same level again. Mm -hmm. So this one, um, Kira's ship gets abducted and then so cosmetic surgery in the Star Trek world must just be laser sharp because there's a lot of episodes where people are just other races of aliens and they're like I guess it's just me, even though it's like actual physical uh, characteristics that are added, like the Cardassians. So Kira becomes a Cardassian. Mm. And they try to trick her that she has always been Cardassian, that she was never Bajoran. Yep. And that, uh, and they're like, so tell us everything you knew on your undercover mission. Right. Did you have any other notes for uh, this one? I wrote. I wrote. You're right. Quark? Odo, already better than the last episode. Herm, 26 episode seasons are way too much. Empty, meandering character episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The quote, space is dangerous. Garrick is correct. Uh, Look at Kira's lipstick. And... uh, (laughs) That's weird. Um... Pretty silly concept, done all right by everyone's appearance, but Kira, who is always, almost always on one level. Um, so do you mean like in terms of her character, she's on yeah, one level? Yeah, like she seems very one note, like a lot. So I'd say season two had some better Kira stuff, 
like that one episode where uh, the Bajorans are super xenophobic to the Beavis and Butthead planet. Right. That was a good Kira episode because she was becoming what she didn't want. And then another good Kira episode was the one where she goes to the planet with the old man. Um, that's a good episode too. But yeah, there's there's back and forth with the DS9 character so far. Mm-hmm. I think the only one that they have like nailed is probably Quark. Quark is Quark. Yeah. He's, he's pretty good. Everyone else is like, they're still kind of like, they're like, Cisco, he's a baseball man, but how much of a baseball man do we want him to be? Did you see all the Cisco baseball things about Biden? No, that sounds good. Uh, I like I, I like this. But I mean, that's that's what sets set Cisco apart, right? Like, Kirk was a sex man. Uh, Picard was a book man. And Cisco is a baseball slash dad mm-hmm. man. Baseball dad? Baseball dad, in exactly. Sp- space baseball dad. Space ball dad. Yeah. What about that? Pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. This episode is just whatever. Just whatever. You want another one, Jer? Yeah. Three point oh six. Jake just dating a thirty-five-year-old? Question mark mm. slash Papa Odo explains equality. Three out of four stars. Wow. So uh, I think this is a pretty good episode. Do you you want me to give you the little rundown? Well, I'll just say the title of this episode is The Abandoned. And, and are you is, a yes or no? This is a yes. Nice, nice. Uh, so this is, I put out a, a picture of weekend vibes on our accounts on the weekend where uh, Quark buys a child, which I thought was hilarious uh, as a screen screen cap. Um so in the opening of this episode, Jake is a uh, there's he's dating one of the ladies, like the bartender or like one of the the roulette girls in Quarks, and she's just a legit forty year old lady, like in real life. Yeah. And they were playing it off as she was like twenty and Jake is sixteen. I was like, Mm-mm. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, that lady is like thirty five if she's a day. So I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this revamp of Jake where he's just dating like older women? And I was like, where did this come from? So it really threw me off. But then Cork buys uh, an old ship and he finds a baby. Yeah. Uh, and then the baby has accelerated metabolism uh, and grows up really fast. Yeah. The baby's a gem Hadar. Yeah. It tries to kill everyone. And then it <laughs> runs into Odo recognizes that Odo is one of the founders, yep. uh, a changeling, and then kind of pledges fealty to it, acknowledging it's like, you are a changeling. You are better than everyone on this ship. Uh, and he's like, but I am a Jem Hadar, so I'm better than everyone except you. So Odo tries to raise it, uh, raise the Jem Hadar boy. And uh, his Odo's big thing is just like, he and this is a good Odo episode uh, episode actually because he's like I was a test subject and people thought I was one thing. He's like people think he is just one thing too. He's like and I don't think that's the case. So Odo is trying to raise the Gem Hadar, which is pretty cool, I think. So I actually thought this episode was very nice, apart from the weird B plot, which isn't even like that prominent. It's like five minutes of the episode, yeah. but like Jake dating this older lady. Mm. I was like, what is this? I was like, why is this in here? It's very bizarre. I wanted so. to keep it light. Yeah. What about you? What did you think? Well, so my first note was, Hey, an episode I actually remember from when it aired. Oh yeah. Um, pretty dark ramifications. Uh, I write the dominion really are the anti-federation. 
Yep. And I wrote that this episode was the anti-Iborg. Yeah, it is. No. Yeah. Which I mean oh, for for, all... for for Star Trek, I mean, that's like that's the that's an upset. It's not all about you can you can uh, reform the Borg. And this is like, no. It's it's good cuz like remember when they announced that episode 2 months ago and everyone was talking about hope and optimism? That's like I Borg. This one is at the end of it and it's a it leaves on a real bummer where Odo's talking to Kira. Oh, you you got me? Am I still coming through? Yeah. Okay. Odo's talking to Kira and Odo's like uh he's like, "You know what, Kira? You were right." He's like, "They can't be changed. Savages." <laughs> and then you're just like, "No, they got Odo." Cuz Odo's like kind of like he he was the only person standing up for this little kid and then he is like you know what that gem hadar is a terrorist and then you go whoa so well, anyways yeah i good mean episode. i guess the idea though is like well this race is like uh, a petri dish Programmed. yeah they, they are yeah. like they're they're designed for fighting and there's not gonna be like oh yep. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change it it's like no <laughs> You're gonna be. You're gonna have to fight it. I guess that's what it sets. The, it, it's it's again. It's all the slow burn. It's like the. Re, oh. It's kind of like the return to like how they. I mean, they never really got to do this with the Borg, right? And like they had to like basically yeah. they introduced the Borg and then you don't see the Borg again for like yeah. a year or whatever two years and then you mm-hmm. see them again and this is like oh no this is what we're gonna build the entire show around dealing with this on and off again and building it up mm-hmm. is like, cause like with the Borg, it's like, yeah, you just have to blow up the Borg. And then they even try to soften that idea and be like, well, maybe we can help them. Maybe we can do something with the Borg. And now they have like, well, here's the, something that they can't work around. Right. They, yeah. The Federation can't uh, care bear stare their, their way out of the problem. That's a nice euphemism for that. But I agree with you. Um, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the development. And I know that you said before, this is what DS9 is really about. And I like it. Yeah. I dig it. It's pretty, yeah. From this point, like basically once you get to like the introdu- actual the introduction of yeah. the Dominion and the, mm-hmm. and the various factions of, of the Dominion, it's just like kind of, they have a trajectory. But Which, can, which is nice. I like yeah. it. Tell me more. 3.07, fail safe, starring Walter Matthau, three out of four stars. Wow. I'm just kidding. Walter Matthau's not in this. I but, was like, uh, whoa. <laughs> uh, I, I just said fail safe, three out of four stars. Uh, this is a good episode. Um, they trigger a defense or like a security thing. It's an on episode called Civil Defense. Civil Defense, yeah. So they're like mucking about in a part of the station and they just trigger something. And uh, what's his name? Gal Dukat comes on and he's just like, Bajoran slaves. He's like, your, your attempt at escaping uh, has triggered a lockdown. He's like, if you don't give yourself up in 20 minutes, everyone dies. And then, like, every time they think oh, that yeah. they tr- gain traction, Gal Dukat's recording comes back on, and he's just like, Bajoran slaves. He's <laughs> like, we are now going to blow up the entire station uh, just because to spite you. Uh, and then Gal Dukat actually comes, and he's on the ship too. And then he gets brought into the failsafe, because even he can't override it. <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. Well, it was kind of like he comes and he's like there to make fun of them. And he's like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll just, dis- I'll disable this. And then like, like there's a bigger fail safe above him. And they're like, I'll do hot. It's like, if you're doing this, you are abandoning the station. And it's like, and we are going to blow it up now. And he's like, Oh, uh, 
Uh, I actually like this episode. I thought it was good. Yes. Civil Defense, I gave a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of a Rube Goldberg plot. <laughs> the plot seemed to putter out, and then Ducat shows up. Oh, man, Dal Ducat gloating is genius. And the punchline to all of it is even better. Man, mm-hmm. the undercurrent to this episode, people fuck everything up. I <laughs> write, well, um, lol, dead Bajoran guy? Uh, is there? I don't remember that. Maybe okay, there's a dead Bajoran I, I saw, guy somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh, fucking DS9 ending without resolution. Gal yeah. was just left on the station. Where is his ship and its crew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, some of these episodes wrap up so fast. There's, it's literally, there's no resolution. It just goes to the wide shot of the station mm-hmm. and then the episode ends. <laughs> Executive and you're like, Wait producer. A <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about episode eight. 3.08. Cisco sits like a sassy bitch at the beach. <laughs> slash. I can explain that. Slash. An incel alien commits cyber rape. Two out of four stars. Why such a low rating? <laughs> so this planet comes through the wormhole. And they go to like meet them. And they're like these really carefree people. And uh, Cisco's interacting with them. And he's like laying on his side. And he's got like one leg up. And he's just like right beside him. And I'm like, why is he sitting like a girl at the beach? Like, it's like, it seems very, very inappropriate for the setting that he's sitting like this. So I thought that was weird. Uh, and then there's an alien who tries to, he, he tries to get Quark to make a holodeck version of Kira so that he can go and rape it, basically. Uh, and then Kira and Odo catch wind of this because Quark's not very good at uh, covering that up. So they do some other stuff. This is not a good episode, Jared. Well, I'm right there with you. And I've got notes. Okay. So the episode's called Meridian. And I've mm-hmm. got a, nope, fucking defiant. Knowing nothing about ratings, I suspect maybe ratings sucked or something, and the solution was, people want starships, so now mm-hmm. we get the adventures of the Defiant. Uh, warship yeah. on science missions, not at the ready to blow up invading Jem'Hadar's ships that took out the Odyssey? Like, that's like, that's, and if Kira is on board, fuck this. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't make any sense for her to be there. It's, no. Yeah. There's no reason for her to be there, and it's also like um, she she Aban- gets in way in the way of the plot kind of. Yeah, this abandoning of the show's central conceit doesn't bode well. I knew I recognized that voice, Jeffrey Coombs. Coombs. Oh, is he the That's, incel rapist? He must be. He must be because he's that, or he's. I know eventually he he has a regular role on the show as Weyun. He's one of the. Um, Bedouin aliens, whatever the hell they're called. Maybe that. Maybe oh, that's Bedouins. him in this episode. That, that's him, yeah, because it's Jeffrey Combs. I I didn't I did he, not and, realize that. And he's like, well, he's been in like lots of Star Trek up to this point as well. Yeah. But he's like a he's like an ongoing supporting character. Uh, I knew he was in like in a lot of roles in Star Trek. Uh, his character in this episode is called Tyron. Okay, so it's not the character he becomes. He just yeah, shows up over no. and over again. Yeah. Um, I just read as this episode seems uh, full as shit that the Defiant was the first all CGI ship eventually. 
CGI begins creeping into Trek this season, though. It is hilarious reading the Wikipedia entry on the show. People are, were, really concerned what Gene Roddenberry would have thought. Stresses Gene knew about the show's genesis before his death. George Takai complaining how the show was the opposite of what Gene's vision was. Hmm. Whenever I read people call it dark, I think of Patton Oswald, Phil Collins. Which, like, it's like a reference to, like, people saying, you know, Phil Collins, guy's pretty fucking dark, man. <laughs> I mean, I have, you really, have, you, have you really listened to Phil Collins? It's, like, it's pretty dark. <laughs> and you go, mm-hmm. so, like, DS9's dark. <laughs> no, not really. I think people need to fucking relax. Yeah, uh, yeah this episode sucks. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, like I said, when when these ones set me off, I have I had many things. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then episode 3. nine. Oh nine. Holy fuck! It's horny Riker. Uh, two out of four stars. Oh. Okay. Well, actually, okay. I, I I was between a two and a three. This episode is actually not bad. Uh, and one thing, actually, no, no, this should be a three. Three out of four stars. Because uh, my follow-up comments were fake chin strap and then Gall Ducat 100 emoji. Um, mm-hmm. So we have Horny Riker. Yep. But it's not the Riker we know. It's the it's other Riker. Riker. That's right. And you you realize this because there's a scene where he pulls off his chin strap because it's a fake chin strap. And I went, whoa. Uh, so, I mean, the setup is kind of what you'd expect. It's like, he is he there? Is he part of the Maquis? You don't know. But Gal Dukat has a monologue in this episode that is like the top of the top, Jared. Because he, like, Gal Dukat gets brought along with Cisco because they got to go try to fight Horny Riker. I just have to say that I'm I'm glad that you're on Team Dukat. Yeah. This, he, like, I, I honestly, I like, his monologue in this episode is a four out of four. So it brings up the episode completely. But uh, Cisco's like... Tr- like actually kind of getting through to Gal Dukat and they're like finding a common ground and uh because they, they're like going after this thing together and they've had a few adventures together but uh so they're going after this thing together and then uh Cisco's just like he's like trying to find out more he's like what were you doing before this and Gal Dukat's like it was my son's birthday he's like I had to miss it and Cisco because he's baseball dad he's like well you know he's like kids understand and uh Gal Dukat like he starts off with a story about like him and his son and how he always miss, always misses his birthday and his son understands. But then it takes a super hard swerve where he's like, but you know, this year all my, or he's like, all my son is going to know is that his dad made him a bunch of promises. And then he had to go deal with Bajorans again because, and they took him away from his dad. He's like, and he will grow up to be hateful and spiteful and he's like and he'll have every right to do so and it's like this it's just like this hard curve and you're like whoa you're like call Dukat and you can just like for a minute they trick you they're like oh he's not that bad and then it's like oh look at that he's got that deep seething pettiness that I do Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah this is this is a pretty good episode all right this one's good so I got oh good an episode called defiant because I was like oh Jesus so Oh, hey, Thomas Riker. Why does mm-hmm. Kira have any sort of access to the Defiant? A good question. Again, she's like, she's, she's not Starfleet. No, she's not. So why the fuck? Oh. Why, why is she like, oh, I can just go on that. You're like, no. It's like, it, again, it's, it's just, oh, think these things Actually, through, guys. Guys. You know what a good a good point of that, too, is in like, um, 
this whole season they've been talking about how Odo isn't Starfleet and they're trying to limit his roles on the ship mm-hmm. like Starfleet is. So it's like, wouldn't that apply to Kira as well? Correct. But it's, it's not, probably, not. Yeah. Uh, Ducat got burned. That must have been him talking with Cisco. Maybe, maybe. But I thought he won that conversation. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure why, but yeah, I was listening to this. I went, oh, yeah, but then there's something something must have happened. Uh, damn Obsidian Order. <laughs> yeah, there's talk about that, too. Uh, glad Cisco is consistently against the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Cisco's getting uh, – he's getting his, his role set. I think at this point. Uh, and then I write, why does everyone want to sit on Tom Riker's face? I don't know, man. People think he's really hot. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a decent episode. It's definitely worth a watch. Yep. Three ten, Jarrett. Holy fuck. Horny Voxana. Also, Jake sucks big time. One out of four. Stars. <laughs> My notes. Fascination sounds dumb. Oh, what's this? A Loxwana episode? Pants. And then I didn't watch it because uh, because I know better. This is DS9's version of everyone's drunk and having sex with each other. It happened in the original series. It's like episode two of TNG, no. and uh, this is DS9's version of it. At least it happens later in the show rather than it like does. in the second episode of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, like I. Even Waxana in this episode, she's not even that bad. She's not in it that much, but it's like she's going through um, uh, menopause, but like whatever. I can't remember what the name of her people are, um, but Bezel and Bexel Borps, whatever it is, whatever the Troys are. Uh, she's going through like their version of menopause. And so it's like they project their feelings onto everyone else. And she's just horny. So everyone else becomes horny. So we had two horny episodes in a row, Jared. <laughs> but yeah not very good so let's move on uh oh yeah and then jake is in love with like dax or something it's really or kira it's really stupid i don't like this new jake mm-hmm. um i mean i don't like old jake either but <laughs> 311 holy fuck it's horny dick miller uh, uh so i my name for him at this time was oh hey it's character actor 216 b54 is that his role in this movie or in this episode? I, I don't know. I didn't know who Dick Miller actually was, but I was like, oh, I knew enough to know, hey, it's that guy. Right. Yeah. I only know him now because of Roger Corman. Right. Um, well, I knew him before. This is the part one of a two-parter. I mm-hmm. give this one a three. Yep. Uh, like, both episodes together, I think, are a three. Uh, this one, 311, I also had big philosophizing. So they kind of, they go through a time warp. They end up in Earth. Uh, at a different part of like history way in the past it's actually 2024 yes it is which i thought was like super funny because uh the screen cap i got they're like it's 2024 and it's guys with shotguns and i was like hey look that's what's gonna happen if trump doesn't leave because you know um but this one had like so it's it's kind of a bashir heavy episode which i don't really like bashir but him and cisco have a good kind of interplay where this episode they're talking about like police state politics and poverty and what like slums are about so it's all about the slum city set up in like metropolitans and like the reason for it and what like why it is the way it is and i was like fuck they're hitting some like some real life marks on this one Mm -hmm. so i think this first one's better than part one is better than part two i think but uh together they're pretty good so that's just 
uh, three eleven is what I'm talking about. Do you have notes on that or I do? Both but, but, but all, it's all together. Okay, so my three twelve then is holy fuck horny horny Corey Feldman terrorist, but then also Bashir man spreads the shit out of some lady. So he full on spreads his legs into a lady's face. And I was like, whoa, Bashir, what are you doing? So anyways. How is this accomplished? How does he do it? Yeah. She's like on the floor. She's a hostage. And he just like, he's like bending. He's like bending down to like help her. But his like legs are like fully like in her face like this. Oh, like, oh, like on her shoulders. It's almost, it's yeah. Like, he's it's, like. It's, it's, it's like a thez press almost. Yeah, so it's not like man spreading in a chair. He's like literally in in her personal space. I see. Yeah. Very good. So anyways, what did you think? So, um, past tense, part one and two. Yes. So why are all the principal actors away from the station at Earth with a fucking defiant piss off? Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, character actor 216B54. Lol, 2024. I guess the future didn't look too bright in 1995. And is it? It wasn't at the time. Gah, David Bowie. What? I don't know. David Bowie's not in this episode. Was is there, is there someone that looks like David Bowie or some sort of like thing? Well, Dick Miller is here. And then there's a guy who looks like Corey Feldman in an 80s movie. Yeah, I just wrote, he's a I, yeah, I just write, gah, David Bowie. And then pop- I don't know. Public art is still terrible 14 years from now. I'm glad. Yeah. And then I wrote, I'm glad I survived the eugenics war. Uh, I mean, doesn't that sound cool, though? Wouldn't you want to watch a movie called the eugenics war? And then I, then I wrote in quotes, new boy. Fuck, I don't which, know. Which, which, which must be a reference to maybe Cisco or something like that. That was questionable. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Something, someone gets called a new boy or something like that. And I'm like, why did I write that out specifically? But, you know, that's like not even like far back enough where that would be in the parlance when they're in the 50s when someone would call Cisco a boy. So that's the wrong time travel episode, I guess. So I have no idea what a new boy is. Yeah, I mean, this is news to me also. I, I don't know either. You're supposed to pay attention because I've watched this stuff eight years I ago. I tried to. Ah, memories of the passport office. Uh, they're in a passport office, kind of, at mm-hmm. one point, yeah. And then I write, character actor 216C01. So there, there must be two dudes. That must be the Corey Feldman guy. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha, Kira and Miles in their pimp and escort disguises. Uh, well, Kira and O'Brien kind of hop around timelines to try to find them, and they're in different, like, uh, outfits, each time. I think there's a 70s or or like a late 60s one. That must be the one you're talking about. Okay. Oh, the Back to the Future time travel system. Subspace bubble. There's there's some conversations about that yeah. stuff. Man, Cisco tears a fucking strip out of fucking 216B54. Cisco does some philosophizing in this episode. Mm-hmm. He certainly does. And that's Dick Miller, I think. Yes, okay. Uh, the mm-hmm. Kira O'Brien stuff is appallingly unfunny. 
Uh, yeah, it's not good, man. And I got to tell you, I know you're a big O'Brien man, oh. but uh, some some of these late later O'Brien episodes with him and Keiko, like one episode, I didn't even bring it up. Keiko like isn't the teacher anymore. Uh, he's like, well, you studied to be a botanist. You should do what you love. And she becomes a botanist. And I was like, what? I was like, where is this coming from? Like the O'Brien Keiko subplot. I was like, I have no idea where the shit's coming from. It's bizarre. Uh, form a committee equals nothing is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, in quotes, changes take time. Quote, or that is means you and you've run out of time. I don't. Know. Uh, huh? <laughs> well, we, so like oh, episode... oh, wait a minute. Then I write, we are all Clint Howard perving behind Dax, fresh from the sewer. Oh yeah, Clint Howard is in this. How did you sleep on these things? I, well, ice I cream man. Yeah. I brought up Dick Miller instead of Clint Howard. Yeah, he's like a he's like a um, a schizophrenic man who's just like I gotta I gotta get out of here. And you're like, that's cool. He's pretty good in this. And then I wrote, yeah, O'Brien's comment about 2042 or whatever being an unprecedented dark period of Earth's uh, time would be a tall order looking through various descriptions given in Star Trek canon. So I guess that just must be that, like, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, it doesn't look that good, it but it's, it's kind of good, but it's not terrible. It looks similar to what we got right now. Well, that's amazing. Never been yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, so you got one more for me? I mean, I do, but I kind of want to save it for next week just because it's like, I don't, how long is the movie for next week? It's like six hours long. Well, fuck. I I might not have any Star Trek next week. Well, just, just, just tell me this one. Just, we'll do this one. 313. Kira falls into a rock. Odo is sad. Three out of four stars. Life support. And Mm -hmm. I give this a yes. Yep. This is an Odo episode, Jarrett. Okay. Odo. So Kira, Kira and Odo are off planet, and uh, because that's what Kira does now, apparently. And uh, she gets like stuck in a rock, and the rock starts to overtake her, and then it becomes the Odo show. Uh, there's other stuff that happens in the episode which isn't that good, but uh, the stuff I really like is Odo confesses his love for Kira, but then he's also a good detective, and he realizes, wait a minute, something's at play here. Mm. So good Odo action in this one. Okay, so uh, this is a yes. I wrote, she's no Dabo girl. And then it's I a Dabo wrote, girl. Isn't that like what they call? Oh, those are the roulette ladies. Yeah, yeah. She's no That's Dabo girl. That's the one girl. Jake dates. And then I went, oh yeah, Nog, because <laughs> I guess Nog must have disappeared for a long time. Yeah, I remember Nog comes back and he uh, he he pays Cisco to write him a reference letter because he wants to go to Starfleet. Right. Yes. Yep, because he doesn't want to be like his dad, and he wants to be the first Ferengi in Starfleet. That's, that's cool, man. Yeah. Oh, no, not Kai Wynn. Oh, that's uh, the Bajoran priest boy? Priest right? girl? The, oh, she's yeah, like she, She's like, she's the, the leader, yeah. Yeah, she's in it. There was another episode with the Bajoran priest guy, and he dies. Hmm. <laughs> Fuck, I don't remember when that happened. Maybe it was, that's when I Kai, guess it wasn't. Isn't that when Kai Win 
took takes over and there's like that's like the end of the one season no, he, he's still there though oh. he's like an advisor he like concedes to uh to her and then in one of the last two three episodes he actually dies oh i didn't even I write that down it. yeah it's very huh. doesn't matter uh kira's new haircut what she has a new, she haircut. A new haircut she did Huh? maybe i missed it bashir is doing some dr frankenstein shit uh yeah he's always up to some shit and like sometimes i'm not i'm not super on board with the bashir stuff sometimes um uh cardassian construction you mean ds9 <laughs> that's me some comment that just made me go like what are they talking about like ds9 would be cardassian construction and uh, something like that i think there's talk about like the station and then like uh like Gal Dukat's been trying to get a resident Cardassian on the ship, so it must be like a mix with that stuff. Yeah, okay. Damn, Nurse Ratchet just harps on because she's because because uh, Louise Fletcher is f- so good as uh, a bad lady. She is the is Louise Fletcher the Bajoran priestess, or is yeah. she the found? Okay, yeah, because yeah. there's another bad lady. Who's like a changeling also. Oh, yeah, not her. Yeah. That's a different person. That lady's hard. I, I couldn't tell you who that person was because yeah. it's like, uh, it's got the Odo makeup and you're like, what is this? Huh. A callback to a season one episode and Cisco's attitude has changed. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that. And I just watched this shit. Wow. This is pretty grim. Tholian's brought up randomly. Wonder what a Tholian ambassador does. Remember, remember Tholians from like original series? Right. Yeah. It's like, what would the, what, what would a Tholian ambassador be? Um, Not much. I also write, I guess the peace treaty is a big deal. And uh, they, they, yeah. Yeah. And the Jake Nog friendship is still great. Are you being legitimate or yep. sarcastic? Being legitimate. Well, I mean, Jake, they're always helping each other out, I guess. Because, like, no people don't believe Nog. Nog wants to go to Starfleet. But Jake stands up for him. Jake does. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Are we, are we talking about different episodes? <laughs> Maybe. I think so, because the episode I think you were talking about is Heart of Stone, which yeah, is episode... Yeah, Kira gets stuck in a rock. Why do I have that as episode 14? Something's fucky on your end, that, I'm talking. I'm talking about an episode you haven't even seen yet. Yeah, that, that's what I was like. I, everything you said, I was like, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, Heart of Stone is a really good, important character episode. Nog's first interest in joining Starfleet. Rob's yeah. secret technical genius. Yeah. Or see, Rom. Odo's obvious secret love of Kira. Actually, mm-hmm. fascination, I guess. Even ties back into the Dominion. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Hmm. So why do I have life support? Whoa, whoa, 13. whoa, whoa, whoa. An extraordinary measure to prolong. That's the episode that I fucked up. I didn't make a, a note for that episode because it was unremarkable. That's the one where uh, Vedic Burrell goes into yeah, life support. The one I was just talking about. The one you were talking about. I jumped the gun. Okay, that's my bad. 
I did it again. You did it again. Well, see, look, now you got two for one. RJ, you're you're, you're very, very bad. Well, I mean, sometimes... It's a good thing I'm here to keep you honest. Well, I almost would have figured that out. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) All right, well, yeah, 313, dude dies. Whatever. Two stars. Kira's sad. No one else cares. There you go. Yep. We, we did it again. We did it again. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Feels good, man. Indeed. Indeed. You got any news, RJ? Uh, I opened up a Reddit a little while ago, and I saw this headline um, from, I don't know what news agency it's from, but it says the Texas butthole tickler bandit has finally been caught. Oh, fuck. Finally? So pretty good news it's about all i got for you what about you Mm, well since there's no movies um no okay no yeah movies don't exist anymore they don't they're they're kind of coming again Mm -hmm. whatever that's fine oh cool um well i mean in in fun news uh some guy from Proud Boy says he's done pretending he isn't a Nazi. Oh, that's good. good or is that bad? Good for him. B- bad, oh, yeah. bad, bad. But you know, at least they're admitting it now. Hmm. I mean, were they, were they ever trying to hide it? I guess. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, they did have like a like, I think an. African Cuban as their leader, <laughs> but he's okay. been he's been kicked out now. Okay, yeah. Huh? You want you ready to talk about Richard Nixon? Fuck, let's do it. After the break, we resign in dignity. I don't. We've taken.
recent years, crime in this country has grown nine times as fast as population. At the current rate, the crimes of violence in America will double by 1972. We cannot accept that kind of future for America. We owe it to the decent and law-abiding citizens of America to take the offensive against the criminal forces that threaten their peace and their security, and to rebuild respect for law across this country. I pledge to you, the wave of crime is not going to be the wave of the future in America. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about Secret Honor from 1984, directed by Robert Altman. The tagline for this film, RJ, Mm -hmm. anyone can be the president. Is that true? Yes. Yes, it is now. Even like... Even you. Why not? I could be the president of the States? Yeah. Yep. I wasn't born there. That's fine. We'll change the rules. We'll change the rules. Cool. Cool. In his New Jersey study, Richard Nixon retraces the missteps of his political career, attempting to absolve himself of responsibility for Watergate and lambasting President Gerald Ford's decision to pardon him. His monologue explores his personal life and describes his upbringing and his mother. A tape recorder, a gun, and whiskey are his only companions during his entire monologue, which is tinged with the vitriol and paranoia that puzzled the public during his presidency. Is that the letterbox synopsis? That is. Some $10 words in that bad boy. What, like tinged? Vitriol tinged? I've only heard that in the big, the, the dictionary. Yeah, in, those, in the big, the big thick books. The big dictionary books, those big guys. Yep, big dictionary. Wild. So RJ, yeah. what, what do you know about Richard Milhouse Nixon? Uh, the only things I know are the things that have been expressed through 90s, early 2000s cartoons mm-hmm. like The Simpsons and Futurama. So both Matt Grenning uh, pr- products. Yeah, that is my first interaction with Richard Nixon would have been uh, the Richard Nixon head from Futurama. And okay. uh, I mean, that's pretty much the uh, an ironclad uh, representation, I think, right? So you've never seen Anthony Hopkins in Nixon? No. Okay. I, was, I looked up frost nixon this week but yep. it's not available on any streaming platforms except to rent from cineplex uh galaxy cineplex um, odian galaxy and i said fuck it well, i thought it was on like hoopla or something like that uh last i looked it was just uh to rent through cineplex and i was like i am not doing that yeah well should have asked because I've, I've got quite a library of nixon cinema it's covid dude i don't want to touch your stuff well, that's probably should never touch my stuff. Look at that. Oh, look at that. It's on Crave Stars. The bane of our existence. So, yeah. Stars, man. I know know about Nixon pretty well, the same as you, as far as, like, where I would have been introduced to Nixon. Um, Futurama? Simpsons. 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 Because, yeah, they they never shied away from making Nixon jokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be be it him saying that he also... uh, uh, like that uh, type of beer. Uh, when when uh, <laughs> when JFK said he liked Duff beer, and he's like, oh, I also would like to express my fondness for that particular brand of beer. Yep. And everyone goes boo, and he gets all shifty eyed. And it's like that man. That man's never drank a Duff in his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell. 
And uh, when I believe I think it's Bart Simpson or Homer who pulls down his pants doing it's to Bart. do it's Bart doing his impersonation of uh, Richard Nixon. And oh, I that am, might be Homer, actually. I am not a crook, and then he gets kicked. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the details of that, but uh, there's that. And then of course uh, the iconic episode of the uh, when Homer goes to college, uh, where the the pig. Uh, gets drunk and has to be uh, helicoptered out, and they're like, "I'm He's sorry, boy. I've never friends. had, I've, ne- I've never had to expel uh, anyone before, but uh, that pig had some powerful friends." And there's uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon to say, "Oh, you'll pay. Don't think you won't pay. Don't think you won't pay." Mm-hmm. That's Nixon, baby. Yeah, and it's like you're always like, "Who is this guy? Who is this long-nosed weirdo?" This, mm-hmm. this, and then of course, Futurama uh, continues yeah. to escalate, uh, where he is one of the many floating heads in jars mm-hmm. that are kept alive in the 30th century, and but then yep. they they actually go well above and beyond most uh, characters that appear in this gag, where uh, mm-hmm. Nixon actually winds up winning re-election in a later episode to become the the new president in robot Nixon form. Well, I believe uh, the explanation is only uh, no body can run more than twice. And he says, clearly, I am no body because mm-hmm. he's the head of Nixon. Right. You understand? And then when he declares Nixon's back. and Nixon's back, baby. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. I think there's a, there's a really great monologue that he gives. Um, <laughs> In Futurama? Uh, yeah. Talking about all the things he can do, about like he's going to break into people's houses and wreck the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as, oh yes, uh, harvesting baby organs for zoo meat. <laughs> it's, it's just Nixon, man. That's that's our Nixon. So that is like pop culture's Nixon. Yeah. Um, and then you can like, what? Who is this man that people are not terribly fond of? At least like comedians and cartoonists. Well, so you, you have to go back a while because so Richard mm-hmm. Nixon was a man that was around. He had a, quite a political career. Um, you know, he was vice president to uh, Ike, old Dwight Eisenhower. Let's get busy, Ike Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. So he hung around there, and then he was going to be the handed the reins. And when he ran for president mm-hmm. against that old JFK, barely lost, barely lost, they say. From, um, and so he kind of he kept lurking, though. I mean, he was part of HUAC, rooting out those communists. Um, Kind of he there, there's some really great footage of him in the uh, fantastic documentary Atomic Cafe, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, eventually though, fuck, he winds up being president in '68. Uh, there's a what is it? The Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail uh, that kind of documents. That's about Nixon. Part well, it's part of that campaign where when he's running for uh, the presidency. Uh, okay. Hunter S. Thompson, not a fan of old Nixon. They did have a conversation uh, at one point. Yeah, it was the 72, which is uh, concurrent with the rise of the Watergate scandal. The beginnings of it were 72. I guess the the only thing I remember from the Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail book is him like being stuck on a train and like sitting with Nixon. And one thing they could talk about was football. Because mm-hmm. in his high school days and probably even college, Nixon played a little bit of football, RJ. Well, I mean, he kind of says something around the same thing, right? Well, he, he was kind of into sports. He was into the boys. He didn't like girls very much. Mm-hmm. 
So that's anyway, Nixon's thing, right? That's Nixon's style. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a complicated character. Very complicated. Okay. And mostly, I'd say, considered until the 21st century the worst president in history because not only was uh, well was he is he impeached and then before he could actually get ousted he resigned he resigned yes he resigned after saying i'm not going to ever resign and then he did Mm -hmm. because that's what decent people used to do so even now nixon's like reputation is being reformed due to the actions of uh current administrations Mm mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh Nixon's no, not as alone as he once was. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, t- in terms of like that. He's there was other presidents, but now there's even more who've been uh, in the impeachments. So anyway, mm-hmm. RJ. So, um I, I would I describe myself as a Nixon fan? No, it seems I, like it. I'm intrigued by Nixon. I, I cuz it's oh, okay. like how I guess sometimes you're like, why do why does everyone hate this guy? What's the deal? And he was also the president during like a pretty fascinating period of time in American history, the late '60s through the '70s. 20s? A lot of tumult oh. uh, happening at that point in time. Very authoritarian. Um, you have the you know Cambodia. Yeah, you, you have characters. Another great Simpsons uh, stock character of Henry Kissinger. Uh, dropping his glasses in the toilet, and mm-hmm. you're just like, "Who's this Henry Kissinger guy?" He says, "I can't admit to anyone that I dropped my glasses in the toilet." No, no one must ever know. That's uh, I believe what does Nixon call him in this? Uh, Doctor Shitass, <laughs> uh, Henry Kissinger, which I thought was one of the funniest nicknames for a person I've ever heard. Doctor Shitass. Remember when his uh, Halloween mask is used in Point Break? Kissinger? Yeah. No, Nixon. Nixon? Yes. I mean, I saw Point Break when I was like eight years old, man. Well, there's there's the Reagan mask, the Nixon mask. Uh, They're used during the bank robbery. And it's like... All I know... So you know, though, the the Richard Nixon Halloween mask, because it's just like, it's that weird little nose of his. And he's got Mm -hmm. like, he's he's got quite a jowly face and this particular, like, like the Norman Osborn hair. Well, he apparently, based on this movie, he says that that was just uh, the cartoons um, exaggerating his image, and that's not how he actually looks. That's what he would like people to believe. Right. Even though... Because this is actually him talking, right? This is true fact. Mm. How how do you like that uh, appearance of Nixon in the Watchmen movie? I don't mind it. Okay. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, Nixon works for the story, but that's that's just Alan Moore, right? That's right. Just doing his thing. Yeah. Just doing his thing. So, yeah, old, old Nixon. Anyway, so I watched Secret Honor a long while ago, kind of probably right out of high school. And, like, I was, like, probably really into politics at the time and just learning about well, you history. Oh, yeah. And, like, so I was, like, Secret Honor. This, this movie that's directed by Robert Altman, the man behind McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Player, Long Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of movies on this guy's belt. Like, and this is a one-man show, a monologue for an hour and a half, starring this guy, this Philip Baker Hall dude. Who the hell is this guy? At the time, of Wait, course, I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, he was in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. 
I know him as the library cop from Seinfeld. That's right. That he is. That was uh, that's my top most foremost. And uh, after I posted the um, the creeps Wednesday dudes thing, a uh, friend of the show, Reese Haxall, pointed out that he is the doctor in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, he, he said, is. is that a the bit doctor. Of a, from- yeah, there's definitely a prick involved. <laughs> uh, a little prick. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. There's I, one one prick. Just one prick? No. Not multiple prick? Just one. There's definitely a prick. Yes, there's a prick. Oh, okay. Yeah. And interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he has many faces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you say his name was? Roy Ward Baker? Philip Baker Hall. What about Dylan Baker Hall? No. Dylan Hall Baker? No. What's that guy's name? N- not Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's also well, in Boogie who's- Nights. Who's the uh, the lizard in uh, the Dylan Baker? Doctor Dylan Baker, not Hall though. No. Okay. It's not that difficult, RJ. It's really not. Why do people have so many names? Because words. <laughs> words, RJ. Stupid words. Yeah. Okay, Bob. So I don't know this word game. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Secret Honor. Uh, when I watched this movie, like way back when, I mm-hmm. was. It was totally up my alley of like, yeah, Nixonia, and it totally embraces the 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 rambling, racist, vile piece of shit image that like kind of hovers over Nixon at this point. Um, That's good. It's, it's, so I was like, yeah, it's, it's it's great. The ramblingness. I thought uh, Phil Baker Hall was a much better Nixon than I think Anthony Hopkins was because Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. physically is just like so burly. And thick and wide, yeah. and Nixon is not those things. And I mean, Phil Baker Hall physically is not similar, really, either to Nixon, because Nixon was like pretty, like I don't know, just when you see images of him, he was like he had this, he's almost like a Funko Pop. He's this large head and like kind of mm-hmm. like little body, always in these like suits. Um, and so it's fine, but yeah, Anthony Hopkins never the best Nixon. He had he. He nailed the cadence, I guess, to a degree, but he was still Anthony Hopkins. But here, like Phil Baker Hall, a bit more of an obscure actor, I think. No, not not a movie star like uh, Hannibal Lecter. But mm-hmm. uh, what about Frank Langella? Frank Langella uh, from Ninth yeah. Gate. Oh yeah, among other things, is he among, not Nixon among... and Frost Nixon? He is. Okay. For a second, I for a second there, I was like, did I get that wrong? Is he not in that? But you know, from the Ninth Gate. Yeah, you, you nailed. Remember it. that movie? I do. I, I remember that yeah. movie. Yeah, I know how stuff works. Yeah. I'm so. Yes, yeah, so you've never seen Frost Nixon. No, I was. It's like I was going to watch it the, this week, but but you've seen the trailer. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. if because if what is it the president does if he does it it's not illegal, and it's all building toward that the whole. <laughs> Is that true? I don't know. Yet to be seen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Let's see how the next Huge few months true. play out. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so Secret Honor though is also a movie that uh, you watch it once, and I don't know if you're going to be in a big mad rush to watch it again. I mean, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's an ex- so. it's it's a movie you watch, and I mean, it's like oh, it's like watching a play. Um, with the performer and the chances of you yeah. seeing that same play with that same performer ever again is unlikely because the next time you see it, that person's going to be that much older. Um, sure and, it's, and it's going to be completely different. It's going to be a completely different production. So movies kind of fix those moments in time. So you, you have to sort of like cross 
purpose here of this movie, which was shot at the University of Michigan. Oh, look at Something that. Like that. Look at that recall. Um, based on a play by Donald Freed, Arnold M. Stone. Some of my favorite playwrights. I know. You're a big, big playboy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those guys, along with um, who's that dude who wrote that play? You know? Christopher Remember that Marlowe. One? Not that one. <laughs> Not that one. Uh, uh, I can't remember. I'll think of it. Okay. It's popular. People know what it is. You know you know the one. David Mamet? You know that one. You like David Mamet? No. What's that? Um, fuck, what's that play where it's just like two guys in a room? Waiting for Godot? Not well, they're that they're one, not in a room. Cl- it's similar no, no to No Exit. Oh, uh, what is it? My old boss made me read it. I can't remember what it was. It's not Samuel Beckett. What's the Waiting Sam for Beckett Godot? Say? No, not his other play. His other one. Samuel yeah, Beckett. Okay. Maybe it was Endgame. Maybe it was something else. Okay. It wasn't Waiting for Godot. Okay. It's the other uh, one with two guys waiting around. Yeah, but in like an apartment building. Okay. Okay, let's go to... There, there is one called water. Endgame. There is one called Endgame. So it's probably it might, that. There's also, it might be that. One, there's also one called Play. And it might also look like involve two men. Oh, they all it, involve men in rooms. Endgame's got four characters in it. Endgame does. Yep. How the fuck? Do Supposedly, I yeah. There's four. One called Ham. One called Clove. One called Nag. One named Nell. It's, what about Horoscope? I that wasn't the one I saw. No. Okay, uh, I'm gonna try to find the name. Okay, you 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 you, you figure it all out. Okay, so anyway, it was so, Sam Beck. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That he is a playwright. So sure he is. You got sure it. You got it, buddy. So, uh-huh. Secret Honor. Uh, watching it again, uh, and also having seen way more Robert Altman movies at this point, mm-hmm. and being less fascinated with Nixon, who I should also mention was a big movie buff. He uh, there's an entire book actually called Nixon at the Movies. What did Nixon, he like Nixon to watch? on the movies, everything. He had his own theater. I'm not sure if he had made his own theater, but he's one of the presidents who really took advantage of having a theater. Hmm. What do you think his favorite shows were? I could look it up. I have a copy of this book called Nixon at the Movies or on the Movies. Um, I've never read. I got it used years ago, and I've just always wanted to check it out, but I haven't. And there's also a series of books that I've been wanting to read. Uh, it starts with Nixonland, and it's all it's a trilogy of books. Okay, list of U.S. presidents' favorite movies of all time. Okay, the books I'm trying to mention is called uh, it's called Nixon Land, The Rise of a President, and The Fracturing of America, written by Rick Perlstein. Rick Perlstein, who's that? Wrote Before the Storm, Barry Goldwater, and The Unmaking of the American Consensus. Is that good? Is that a good movie? Uh, it's a good book, probably. I think that was his first book, followed by Nixon Land, and then there's a third book that came out called the invisible bridge the fall of nixon and the rise of reagan is that good i i think so all right i have them but i haven't read them yet because that's how life goes so this movie um uh, one of the things that i did not remember uh re-watching this was like how m- much movement there is with the camera which is good okay. <laughs> because if this had been like one shot or something like that, it would be like you were sitting in a play and it's like, this isn't taking advantage of the cinematic medium. No, this is a roaming camera. And there's sort of this whole setup with surveillance 
of himself. Even like after him being the president, he's got cameras set up everywhere. He's watching the hallways around himself um, mm-hmm. and tape recording to this day, which is one of those things where like, why did the president record himself the way that he did? Why did he? Why did he? That's a that's a riddle. People are like, why did he write? Why did he record this stuff and talk about all these illegal things he wanted to do on re- when he knew he was being recorded, and then not even bother to like try to get rid of those tapes? Like they were just sitting there. Well, I mean, why would we do this thing? Record the Ill- illegality of this about our our future crimes. Yeah. So I have some answers. I don't know if you want them now or later. Hit me with it right now. It was Endgame, the Samuel Beckett thing I read. Very nice. And I couldn't find a list of Nixon's favorite movies. Uh, There were a couple websites, but as soon as you clicked on them, I got spammed the shit out of the website, so I I bailed. But Gizmodo has the five spookiest movies that President uh, Nixon watched in the White House. Okay. Do you want to hear about these? Yes, please. Number five, What the Peeper Saw from 1972. Number four, Man on a Swing from 1974. Huh. Uh, number three, Twisted Nerve from 1968. Oh, yeah. Uh, number two, The Collector from 1965. Oh. And number one, Wait Until Dark from 1967. Very nice. When when did Nixon – How when did he leave office? <laughs> Was it after 67? 75, I think, is when okay. he resigned. Okay, so story checks out then. Yes. I'm not sure how much time he had for uh, the cinema in those those last uh, couple months. Those later days? Yeah. So do those movies sound cool? Yeah, I've seen Allegedly, they're those. the spookiest. I'm not familiar with Man on the Swing, though. Um, should I just exit oh, it out of he, he resigned 74. Okay. So story checks out. Yeah, I think, well, sorry, it would have been 75, I think, when Ford took over, maybe? Or not? I'm just misremembering all these little things. Nope, he took took over the next day. There was no anything in between. So there you go. Interesting. Anyway, so yeah, uh, so yeah, camera roaming. Zooms, zooming in. Um, Yeah, sure. Zooms. Zooms. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so... There's not a whole lot to talk about because it's literally just sure. Nixon rambling on to a tape mm-hmm. recorder that are notes for Ramon. Uh, yeah, no, Roberto. Roberto was it? Roberto. Okay. Roberto. And uh, he just he said give a gift basket for the groundskeeper who just died for mm-hmm. the wife, make it a small thing. Nixon. And then make it a big basket. And then make it a big basket afterwards. And he's, like he's just constantly like, the the art of making this stammer and talking over yourself and stopping and grunting. And it, it's not as easy as it looks folks. Let me tell you. Welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's just him spilling his guts and constantly like, Oh, I start over, go back to this point. And, but it's like, it's still all being recorded and it keeps building. It has this momentum. He just, he just recaps his entire life. Uh, it is, it is mm-hmm. a 90 minute monologue. Um, yes, it is. And yeah, that's a, that's a lot to carry both for a performer and for a film. And mm-hmm. I guess the question is, is it successful? As a fan of Nixonia, yes, mm-hmm. I think I think it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've always been a fan of this and still am. Again, it's not one of those things, though, you're going to be like, I really want to check that out tonight. <laughs> it's not one of yeah. those types of movies. If you, you better bring some interest to Nixon 
if you're going to watch Secret Honor, like you better know some stuff because this is going to leave you high and dry. Like, because mm-hmm. this this came out, the film came out in 1984. I'm not sure when the play was written. So it was some time before. Uh, I did. I, I watched assume. one. Yeah, some time before. Uh, I think it was like a. So, I I only watched one supplement, and it was uh it was him talking like, uh, what's his name? Fucking Dylan Baker Hall. Uh, that's his name, right? It is now. I, it is now Dylan Baker Hall. Uh, he was talking about. It's just him for 20 minutes talking about his career, which was actually pretty interesting about yep. how he went from New York to L.A. And then I think he said it was like it it was on Broadway for a year. He did the stage show for a year and a half, two years. And then it was after that that they made it a movie like a year or two later. Yep. Does that make sense? Sure. Does that timeline jive? It jibes. That jibes? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what I, why I brought that up. Because I, I, I wasn't sure how long the turnaround was between when the play was written to when it was filmed. I think it was like two years. So, yeah. So you, Nixon resigns seventy four. With ten yep. years later in that window, we get this secret honor mm-hmm. play. That's kind of like uh, I think some people might go, go into this thing with this idea that it's going to exonerate Nixon or as like a celebration of this like malign figure that doesn't deserve discussion. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's not. I mean, I, I guess like I just don't know the history enough of how this would have been received, and that's really interesting because I, I don't know if you happen to check out those two commentary tracks. I, even though I had the DVD, both of them. Yeah, there's two of them. Uh, no, I only watched the uh, the actor supplement. That okay, was... you didn't watch any of those uh, features of like famous Nixon speeches or concessions or uh, the, the 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 famous checkers uh speech i know about checkers from futurama yep but uh no i was i was too busy watching ds9 man wow well there you go i understand did you watch them or what i i checked out a few of them i checked out Mm -hmm. there's like one it's like nixon a self-portrait because i will never pass up the opportunity to watch something that's called a self-portrait really what about jared duncan a self-portrait well i'm not that type of guy not yet. Not yet. So what, what, tell me about these commentaries. Then. Okay, so there's a commentary of Altman, and there is one with the co-writer, Donald Freed. Okay. And I'm curious maybe if the Altman one had. I didn't watch the commentaries. I, I should mention that. Okay. Um, yeah. So, But, yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see, like, where his reputation was, because he's still alive when this comes out, and I'm sure thrilled just thrilled that people are still obsessing with him mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it probably this is like a snapshot of uh what the thinking of like what's what's millhouse's uh day-to-day life for his dad working <laughs> at the cracker factory well he did work at the cracker factory but yeah. he got fired after 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 was it 15 years you know what? I don't. I don't know about you, but I've never heard the name Millhouse other than Simpsons and Richard Nixon. Do you have you ever met or even heard of another Millhouse? I other than those two. Yes, I'm pretty sure I have. Get, get bent, man. Not no, not in have. not in modern times. Okay, but it's uh, actually a not bad name. I kind of like it. It's classy. Millhouse. But Millhouse has ruined it. Well, so I'm a little like the. So actually, one thing I will give Criterion Channel, they finally added the ability to subtitle for English-speaking movies. Oh, wow. So that's how I got screen caps. Yeah, it finally came. 
and I didn't realize that Milhouse, Nixon Milhouse, doesn't have an E at the end. Is that how it's typically spelt? Milhouse? Um, Milhouse. That's how he, that's how it was captioned, at least. I don't know if that's a, even, mm-hmm. if even that is accurate. But what were you talking about? Uh, I think we're talking about Secret Honor still. And Oh, what is that? Well, I mean, this is going to be the, really the op- only opportunity to talk about Nixon. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, he, we've talked about this on in various movies. Uh, having context probably is helpful for watching certain types of movies and whether or not that should detract from a movie, whether or not that's impossible. I think when you're dealing things with politics, it's unless you're going to do a, an Adam McKay type deal, we're going to unpack everything. But even that mm-hmm. you see how that plays out over time. And people go back and watch these things when you're a generation or three removed. And when they go back, they go, I have no idea what this means. Um, mm-hmm. All I was thinking about while watching this actually not all the time, but sometimes I was like, Oh man, when is the Adam McKay Trump movie coming? <laughs> when, I imagine when, when as soon the, as the story is done, when, which may be never, which may be never. Maybe there'll yeah. be maybe there'll never be stories again. Well, movies don't exist anymore, right? There'll be and no I for one Netflix mini. There'll, there'll be Netflix though. There'll be Netflix miniseries, <sighs> and it can be like more laborious to get through, more like padded out. And all the, play... the they have all the wigs lined up. Uh, yeah, Paul, they would. And, and Who to, would play Trump in the Adam McKay thing? Paul Christian Dano. Bale? Paul Dano. Paul Dano. They would fat suit him up or what? Have you seen what Paul Dano looks like compared to young Trump? They're already halfway there. And then, are, you, are you saying, are you sullying the good name of Paul Dano? Look look up Trump, bed, yeah, Trump bedroom and see that one photo of him from the 80s. And then you look at Paul Dano and you go, huh. But what about current day Trump? Well, you, then you got to get to the fat suit Brendan territory. Brendan Gleeson? <laughs> no, 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 no. No no, 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 no. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, Secret Honor is a recommend from me because okay. uh, I like that Nixon. And we can t- talk about the movie more once you talk about what you like or not like about this movie. Because I heard you. What did you think of this Secret Honor? What do you mean talk about the movie more? Is this not the end of the conversation? It could be. Uh, uh, full disclosure, uh, I fell asleep. Uh, 20 minutes into this. Okay. Full on knocked out. Like uh, I was, Andrea had to wake me up. She was like, what are you doing? She's like, aren't you watching this movie? I was like, huh? What? (laughs) And she was like, did you fall asleep? I was like, I guess. I don't know. So I fell asleep for about 10 minutes, I think. Um, But I put it back on. I rewound it the next day. Okay. You got the, you you took the tape out. You blew it out. And I popped her back in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I gave her a second chance. So I think it was just the day that I watched it. I was just a little tired. I wasn't mm-hmm. bored or anything like that. I wasn't put off by it. It just put me to sleep. Um, but then I watched it the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Criterion has uh, the ability to subtitle subtitle English now, um, I was just blown away by a, fl- a flurry mm-hmm. of screenshotable material. Uh, so <laughs> the... The majority of my watching was just writing down timestamps because I was like, ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's another good one. So what you're saying is you like the screenplay. You like this play. You like like the the turns of phrase. Well, we have talks of Dr. Shitass and (laughs) talks of fuck 'em. 
fuck him, fuck him. And uh, I, I think one of my favorite ones was like, he was talking about Kissinger and he's like, fucking Kissinger. And he's like, fuck you, you piece of shit. It was something like that. And I was just like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know why, but I just thought it was really funny in the sense of who, who would be talking about Kissinger in that way. It's just funny. Uh, so I, I got a lot of screen caps and uh, I think this is what the kids would call a slow burn, but not even really. You get in the first little bit, you get little bursts of it, but then it gets kind of brought in a little bit mm-hmm. and then you get a burst of it and then it kind of gets brought in a little bit. And then yeah. near later, it's the bursts get longer mm-hmm. and then they get longer, which is, which is good. Uh, so I, as we said earlier, I don't, I'm not the biggest Nixon uh, stan. I don't simp for Nixon in any way. Uh, but I, I know a little bit about him and I thought this was a, uh, this was a nice little dip into it too. So I, I do like secret honor mm-hmm. thing is cool. I would like to see a little bit more of this. And then I would like a little bit more of the actual Nixon stuff, but because this is the only Nixon film in the criterion, maybe for now, mm-hmm. um, I probably never going to watch any of it. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of criterion movies, I see why this is here. I think this is one of those movies that actually does, fit into what I think people think Criterion is all about. This one-man show, it's pretty cool. Uh, I did like that Philip Baker Hall was talking about, um, he was saying how in the stage show, uh, like the movie is only 90 minutes, but sometimes the stage show would be like two and a half hours long. Oh, wow. I was like, could you imagine how spent you would be after that? Yeah. Like he's he's up there. He's giving it his all. So uh, yeah, I um, lots of good. I, I really like the screenplay for this movie. I just... It's fun, mm-hmm. which is, I know a word people don't like, but it's like, it, it is fun. It's like seeing the deterioration of this man. You're like, yeah, you just, you smile and you're like, this is, I'm on board for this. Cause it's not me that this is happening to how, what a delight to see someone else fall apart. Um, screenplay's good. Uh, I think Nixon's story is interesting. I'd like a little bit. I wish I knew a little bit more about Nixon well, going into this. Cause, it's cause, the, the only downfall. Yeah, because so, because I don't know if you could tell the like there is some uh, flim flam, I guess, some playing with like reality as far as like yeah. presentation. Because it's like whatever, it's a play. You can mm-hmm. you can do something with it. Because yeah, the whole idea is that that what is the secret honor of this, which is that mm-hmm. he engineered the Watergate scandal. So that mm-hmm. he would be framed for something that was like a lesser crime than the real shit he was doing. And what was he really doing, Jerry? Ah, fuck all oh, like heroin deals and like he big big corruption, uh, that kind of thing, like that. So yeah, it, it, that's the idea is like he concocted it as a cover up for the real shit. Yeah. Which, but it, I mean, it doesn't even matter because it's all about like. I don't know. There's like that final last two minutes of this, of his his final big rant about mother, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and then the inevitable fuck him, fuck him, uh, because he just because he's going to pull that trigger on that gun, yep. uh, getting more and more loaded as the as the hour goes by, mm-hmm. and then he's like, no, I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> Yeah, which I mean, I I think you and me have that every week, right? With this podcast, that's right. Every week, are we like, are we gonna do it? Are we gonna pull the pins ourselves? And then mm-hmm. it's fuck them, fuck them, yeah. we'll do it ourselves. Show up every week uh, out of spite. Out of spite, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's good. 
I think it's an interesting movie. It's not something that, um, it's like I said, I will likely never watch it again. But if anyone ever asked me, which I don't think will ever happen in my life, mm-hmm. but if someone said, hey, you know a good Richard Nixon movie? I'd go, <laughs> well, do I have a movie for you? I just, I'm uh, I'm doubtful that that day will ever come. Mm-hmm. But, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Well, I mean, there's some pretty good selection of uh, Nixon movies. We we got there's our, a good we, selection. yeah. There's that uh, all the president's men, which I did mm-hmm. happen to rewatch today. Cause and I, it's good. Uh, yeah, you, you can definitely feel like that's the movie that always gets referenced by David Fincher for his influence for mm. Zodiac. Okay, uh, as far as like the the uh, Alan uh, Pacula uh, influence of like the '70s conspiracy movies, because he's got his trilogy of all the president's men, Clute, and Parallax View. Of those three. Parallax View's the best one. That movie is mm-hmm. super great. And All the President's Men is like very good. Like it's a super solid movie. It tells the story of, you know, journalists with their nose to the grindstone gonna they're gonna bring down something because they know something's fishy here at this Watergate hotel. Um mm-hmm. which I could ask you, RJ, what do you know about Watergate? I know that in Forrest Gump. Yeah. He is in his hotel room and he sees some some lights, flashlights yeah. in a room, and he's a little concerned because he's like, maybe their lights went out, and uh, he just wants to help. And then I know that based on that, uh, we're we are now here. Is that accurate? Yep, that's exactly mm-hmm. correct. That's all you really need to know. Mm-hmm. No. Everything I know is from Forrest Gump. Well, if you ever want to find out more, you can check out all the president's men. Is this available on a streaming platform of any type? Crave Stars. You son of a bitch. So you can watch that, and you Fucking can watch stars. Frost Nixon, which okay. is also worth watching. Uh, like all, yep. all the Nixon movies are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they get probably worse over time, I'm sure. There's the ones I've never seen. Like recent entries in... Uh, like, I don't know about this Elvis Nixon movie. Well, who's still making Nixon movies, though, you know? Maybe they're going to be making a big comeback soon. I don't know. Are you? Do you expect to get anything other than Trump movies for the next twenty five years? Like, oh man, can you imagine? So that was one thing I didn't talk about in the. Oh look at that! About oh, on, on, on Letterboxd, um, yeah, someone's put together the What Nixon Saw movie list from and uh, four hundred and ninety five movies. Any uh, highlights? I don't know a lot. There's many, many movies. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, there was, was the... Borat there's other, on there? No, sadly. Uh, Nixon oh. did not get to live to see the day where Borat came out. But uh, so Penny Lane, who directed that documentary, yeah. Hail Satan, I liked. Uh, she hmm. also directed one called Our Nixon, which is all made of Super 8 home movie footage from one of his closest aides and a convicted Watergate conspirator. Uh, just hanging out with the, he's hanging out with Nixon, and I, I should watch that at some point. That sounds. You should have watched it this week. I, I don't know if that's available on any streaming platforms. Should have been. Should have been. And then there's that Sean Penn movie, The Assassination of Richard Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. See everyone. Oh, and there. And then of course, yeah. There's that. But actually, I don't. Have you ever seen Dick? Tricky Dicky? Is that is Dick the one with the two blonde girls on the cover? Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, there you go. I don't remember it though. Okay. You, do you know who plays Nixon? Perhaps one of the greatest Nixons of all? 
George C. Scott? Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya? Dan Hedaya. Is that what he's been up to? Uh, that was in 1999. Oh, okay. Look at that. Yeah. I've seen so, I've seen 20 Dan Hedaya movies. What else has he been doing lately? I don't Well, let's see here. Newest. He was in Fantastic Beasts. Ugh. <laughs> you gross. All right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and he's in the uh the Lift remake Down. Well, I guess we'll get to it uh next year. Yep. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I think my cat just puked in the background. <laughs> That's there. exactly what that sounded like. It's, okay? uh, is that cat a fan of Richard Nixon? Doesn't seem to be. No. Not based no, on what's going no, on. No one's a fan of Richard Nixon. Well, she's got <laughs> pretty, pretty good hairballs coming out of her. So, uh, beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Hazel? She seems okay. She's fine. Onward. You want to you want to hear what uh, Richard Nixon fans thought of this? Who hated this sure. movie? All right. Sure. Uh, we got Scott Kelston with half a star. Okay. It holds its subject as worthy of sympathy. A veneer of comedy laid over a defensive power. What does that even mean, Jarrett? It means why? Why are they making this about a monster? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't really, know. Like, so, come on, come on, kids. Blase. Come on, kids. You can do better than well, that. Well, I mean, I mean, Scott... I'm sure that like when you start getting like a the like a movie directed by like a a name director that's like I'm gonna paint Donald Trump, for for instance, just to pick a random president, uh, mm-hmm. as a sympathetic character who's com- more complex. And mm-hmm. with any sort of amount of sympathy whatsoever, kind of like remember W, remember W, RJ. I do yeah, I do. People that that didn't work great, did it? Because it was a little too close, too close to the time for it to happen. I think. I think mm-hmm. like you need to, you need to have a little bit of space between when you start making these sort of uh, pieces. I think time is a good buffer. You know, you got to have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Scott Kelston has like not bad taste. One of their favorite movies is American movie, which is pretty good. That is fantastic. But then they also they also just gave Phenomena one and a half stars. Phenomena. Phenomena. Uh, Phenomena. The Argento film. Phenomena. Phenomena. <laughs> I see. Bah, that's bah, bah, bah. that's poor. You know, Phenomenon. but they gave Midsummer half a star, so it's like oh. I don't know. That's a little bit. I don't know. That's a bit strong, but it's a bit strong. Maybe they're onto something though. Cheap thriller, seventy nine, half a star. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe this material worked as a stage play, as a so- showcase for the actor playing Nixon, but as a film, it was like watching paint dry. Whew. Was it? It's all dialogue, but I didn't find it clever nor amusing. Just rambling nonsense. I mean, paint dry is a weird thing to say. The only they have a bunch of half star films, but they're just like newish horror films, like the new Nightmare on Elm Street, Jason X, the new Blair Witch. So it's like whatever. Their favorite films include To Live and Die in East L.A., uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Apocalypse Now, and Repo Man. But oh, they gave Mad Max Fury Road 
one star. Oh, boy. And it's one of their popular reviews. Nice. So. Uh, one more. Olivia, one star. Okay. This is not Nixon. Sputtering and flustered, stumbling along, this paints Nixon as a fumbling, conventional, older male of power who was obsessed with, quote, <laughs> setting the record straight. Outburst mm-hmm. after outburst. It seems to think it is st- stating a great message about ego, power, and corruption, but it's just a pretentious portrait of an unknown man crumbling for reasons already ripe with the message it is trying to drive into our heads. Unknown man. Altman's style is not compatible with theater material, plays, etc., so this doesn't even have the cinematic elements I love to latch onto. And then br- mm. uh, brackets, half watch. I find it's weird that this person's standing up for Nixon so much. It's like, do you know him? Like, why Why do you care that much? This person, uh, Olivia, also gave uh, Mad Max Fury Road a low rating at half a star. <laughs> Favorite films include The Long Goodbye, Pain and Gain, the, uh, the Creeps-approved film. With Mark, Mark Wahlberg and The Rock? Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santan Tango and Oliver Granger's favorite film Sully oh starring Tom Hanks oh here's some more I'm actually surprised I'm not seeing any uh, like like a conservative like wow he was our great warrior king allegedly oh well read the Calgary Sun sometime Uh, Michael Samardike one more one star what happened to Altman in the 80s the good thing, the miracle, is that he rebounded so strongly in the 90s. I watched this for maybe 20 minutes. It didn't tell me anything I didn't already know about Nixon. I know the movie gets all funky later on and diverges from history, but I couldn't wait for that. Um, this person's a little funky. Funky. Uh, <laughs> not in that way. Uh, they have like 18 billion five-star films, but they only have 14 half-star films, which include... Uh, two movies I don't know with The Hired Hand from 1971 Daisy oh, Miller from 74 okay. here's some other half star films Jarrett Mikey and Nikki Criterion film shit starring John strip- Cassavetes and Peter Falk yes indeed uh, Cat People Strip Tease these are half stars uh, Performance with Mick Jagger yeah. and uh, Creeps all star Canadian film Videodrome a half a star from Michael Samardike from Big Stone Gap, Virginia. Well, that's 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 it right there, isn't it? Uh huh. No. Uh huh. Cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that. Actress, man. Secret honor. You're uh, you're in it or you're not. I guess it's gonna. I don't know. Is Robert Altman's technical skills as a filmmaker going to like bring you into the story material? It's a play. It's uh, it's about Nixon. Yeah, you better be into Nixon. Otherwise, probably don't watch it. But that's kind of like that's the that's the story of the Criterion Collection. See, like most people are going to watch the movies that they want to watch or not. Um, but we're going to watch them all because that's our job. Well, we're the only ones actually doing. Well, not yet. No. Do you think there's like people at Criterion who have watched every Criterion film? There's just probably there's probably like a guy. But I don't know if they all do. Or they might they pre- at this point they pretend, oh yeah, no, I checked it out last night. But they didn't. 
I guarantee you're probably right. There's probably one guy and his name is Chris Criterion and he is the only guy who's ever done it. Yeah. That's his legal given name too. Yeah. Not like he changed it afterwards. Well, we need to get him on the show. Chris Criterion? Yeah. Give us a call, bud. No, get on there. Any final thoughts here? On... I think I shouldn't have said Chris. I think I should have said Colleen Criterion because Colleen is a lot more like collection. That's true. It's close. Letter letter wise, that's my final thought. After the break, fuck them. Fuck them. Shit. Which American president has the most blood on their hands? Uh, who who's the Malays Forever president again? Is that Ford? <laughs> Mal- Did Mal- we bring this up? Malays Forever? Yeah, that yeah. would be Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, probably him, I guess. Just yeah, he's, out he's, of, um... he's the other uh, Simpsons uh, punching bag for presidents. Uh, I mean, yeah. greatest monster. That's, history, that's, sorry, that's history's what, greatest monster, history's I believe. History's greatest yeah. monster. Yeah. Yeah, forget about... So I guess, I guess so by... Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, though, it must have been true. Why would they Why would they joke about something so serious? I wouldn't. See, once again, folks, Simpsons it brings us all together. They're the only ones saying the things that matter. Do you know what I mean? Sam Sanchez knows. Does he? Oh, yeah, he does. He's a Simpsons kid. You can email us at criterioncrease.gmail.com and tell us about yeah. the blood on your hands. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. And you can sure. check out, like, Nixon's movies that he's seen. It's real cool. Check out those spooky pics that people are watching. We're on that SoundCloud, Stitcher, yeah, iTunes, Tumblers. Google Play, Tumblr, Patreon, YouTube. Only fans. Next week, RJ, yeah. you like politics? Fuck. Nope. Do you like satire? Nope. Do you like Robert Altman? Nope. Spine 258. Tanner 88. Is this another Robert Altman movie? Yes, it is, RJ. About politics. Hey, we could have done this all in one episode. No, we couldn't have. There's no way we could have done that. 
Come on. That'd be, be real. That'd be dark. That'd be a take us to a dark place. Be real. Well, that's what we all want. Yeah, so 10 or 88 from 1988. Okay. Okay. It's going to be a good show, right? The movie or the pod? Definitely the pod. I don't know about the movie. Doubtful. Good night. Uh, shit.